chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount Plus. podcast with the brian campbell and you better believe it's time to open up that box oh yeah it's been a long time since rafe boogs and i have rocked and rolled but thank you to the passionate patient fan base that is the soc box heads hashtag irish crew adk crew godinez crew Shout out to all of them. Indeed, shout out to Omaha while we're here. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you. You waited through BC's vacation to Jamaica. You waited through BC's power outage last week, which canceled the show. You waited through a lot of pro wrestling and skinhead white guy MMA pods to get back to this point. What you deserve, what you know, what you love. Wow. Fired the heck up. Oh, I can't wait for the whole card. But that fight, like after what just happened there, has got has got my balls tingling. Me too, Eddie Hearn, indeed. What kind of show do we have for you today? I mean, what kind of pod can give you that stuff? It's only this one. Rafe Bugs is back on the scene. We're going to break down not just the coming art party that was Arthur Betterbeev's destruction of Alexander Vodzik to unify light heavyweight titles. We're going to dip back into the archives. Is Triple G washed? I don't know. Listen to this show and find out. Tyson Fury effing around in WWE. We got a lot to catch up on. You better believe it. Getting you fired up, of course, for Canelo Kovalev on the horizon. And we got a big-time interview this week. If you care about that kind of ish, it's YouTube sensation, right? 20 million subscribers can't be wrong. Logan Paul stops by the SOC pod this week to drop the F word a few times. Talk about his future on the road to becoming what he wants to be, which is the greatest entertainer in entertainment history. And why you should really care about his November 9th grudge match rematch. First time as a professional against KSI. Yes. Who the hell is that? <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. No, those are YouTubers. Oh, I don't know who those guys are. I'm not, I'm not on YouTube. Well, we are on YouTube, Abel. Thank you. Hey, let me bring in my co-host. It's been so long. I, I mean, I, I last time I talked to this guy, he had a ginger beard. Oh, wait, he still does. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He is a boxing features writer on The Athletic. He is a protector of all things cruiserweights. It's Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. Let me lick Gonna you lick down. you down. 
Let me lick you all. Bye-bye, gross dick. Oh, no much boxing now. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Rafe Bugs, no longer from the left coast with love. More of a Midwestern flair. But, bro, not only am I fired up to see your face again, you are wearing a throwback hat, bro. Rafe has a black baseball cap on with the logos of the New York Junkies and the New York Mets that says Subway Series, only Series is missing an eye. This is fantastic. Rafe, you bought this for like 50 cents next to a hot dog vendor on the street one time, right? Subway Series. Yes, I was a big, I am a big Mets fan. The Mets are actually the only sports franchise, even though I kind of have fallen off completely as a baseball fan. The Mets are the only one that have that childhood fandom spot in my heart. The one I think of Straw, I think of Doc, I think of Ron Darling, Kevin Mitchell. I love those. Rafe, I didn't know we had this. Backman, Lenny Dykstra, I can go on. Mookie, oh my God. Bobby Ojeda, Bobby O. You're serious? You're Subway series right now, Rafe? Serious? Um, I didn't know you had that fandom in you. I, as well, am a lapsed, washed Mets fan. Rafe? How did how did it how did the Mets fandom get all the way up to you in in Bumble F Connecticut? You're well, not you I can't you, that, you you don't hear Jimmy. I grew up in that pocket in Connecticut where it's right near the dividing line of whether you are a Yankees or a Red Sox fan. It's right in the middle. I was I grew up closer to New York than Boston, so I was on that Yankees half. But I just never really got down with the Yankees side. Never got down with the Sox side. Came into baseball in 86, it kind of became natural. Plus, they're fun-loving, the Mets. They always screw up when they should win, kind of like me in my life. And then they come from out of nowhere a lot of times, kind of like me in my life, Rafe. So I identify, right? 88 Mets, that was my team, bro. 99 Mets. I shed a tear, man. I I hate Oral Hershiser. I would kill that man if I could. Rafe, we, we used to have these debates in the ESPN mobile newsroom of what's your hardest L you took as a fan. Game 7, 88 NLCS, 6 nothing shutout, still hurts, Rafe. Oral Horschizer went the distance, gave the Mets Oral. Can't believe it. <laughs> Too much Oral can get you in trouble. Who knew? I came back for 99. I was so in. Oh, that was my team. Because remember 98, John Franco gave away that season over the summer, let the Cubs slide in those DMs. 99 was my team, bro. All right? And now we have the Subway Cedis. Subway Cedis. Wow, what a little sojourn we just took there. Uh, all, I think. I think who 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 doesn't like a little bit of talk about the the national pastime, yes. America's game, and the Amazins, the good old Amazing Mets. I probably mean, thank you, thank you, man. Somebody listeners. got the score right. Yeah, probably every one of our listeners doesn't like it. And it turned out that in this fight, at least, we brought you junk. All right, the junk portion of this podcast is over, Rafe. This is one of those weird pods where we haven't done this ish in like a month. Yeah, we got a big show. We're going to preview pro Gray Taylor. We're going to talk Logan Paul. We're going to tickle all the ivories. But so much has happened. We're lucky we still have listeners. It's been so long, Rafe. I don't even know where to go, where to start, what ad to read, what to throw to. This is just one of those, the dartboards there. You got any sharp ones in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me throw something, Rafe? You know what I'm saying? It's one of those shows. 
I hear you, Brian. And honestly, I don't even know what the name of this show is anymore. I thought last time I talked to you, we were in this corner. Wow. I don't know what's going on. Are wow. we still the ropes at Grantland? This can is the can ropes. we go back to those? Can we can we turn back the clock and maybe make some different decisions on the route to where we are today? Maybe, Brian. I don't know. We can't. But I do want to. Wow, I want what, you. Holmes, look, you were you were you know you're in the wrong part of the ring, Holmes. <laughs> Brian. You're you too close a lot of this, to the ropes. Yeah, you're. I mean, I'm this sorry, is, Holmes. This is the SOC Steer podcast. me the right way, Rich. God, you know I need I need guidance. I need Dwyer, Brian. I want to know you. These all the the events that we haven't talked about are probably fresher in your mind right now than they are in mine because I watched them when they happened. So I, I think you're going to have more interesting, fresher ideas than me. I, and I honestly, the thing I want to hear most about from you, since it's right. In the heart of your wheelhouse, in your field house. Wow. Except that the, the man is now dead to you. What, what, how do we, what uh, do we as boxing fans, what should we make of Tyson Fury's seemingly serious foray into, uh, what is it? Uh, sports entertainment, world, uh, the WWE. Uh, maybe I just don't get it. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, first of all, I want to establish what I will not do any longer on this show. I'm not very keen on sucking Tyson Fury's nuts. Just so you know. Okay. Okay. Just so you know. Um, he, he, he's a little bit dead to me. Um, it's just so weird, Rafe, because it happened while I was in Jamaica, while I was vacationing, while I was three sheets to the wind. Inside of a pina colada glass on Get a drunk with Nick Anderson in Jamaica. Yes, right? Nick. Wow. By the way, real quick story there. When Nick Anderson's behind you in the security line at a Jamaican airport, you got to stop him and be like, yo, bro, tell me the truth. Did Shaq and Scott Skiles fight during practice or what? He's like, damn right. They did. He goes at the end of it, Rafe. He's like, where's your camera? We got to take a picture. He wanted to take a picture with me. So we take a picture after the security line. Jamaican security comes running over. They go, delete that ish right now. And then they made me show them my deleted folder to make sure that picture was gone because the TSAJ thing was in the background. But I saw a picture of you with Nick Anderson in an airport. Yeah, we had we had to go up the escalators and go over into the safe area. All right. So that did happen right there. Um, So Tyson Fury's in WWE and this should be a collision of all of my worlds, Rafe. But it's kind of weird. I don't know if I really like it. And, and Tyson Fury and Triple H are doing a media tour. In fact, you're going to hear them on this show later this week in a special interview episode on Thursday that I'm going to shout out in a minute. But, you know, and the word is that Tyson Fury is going to have a real ass match against Braun Strowman on Halloween in Saudi Arabia on the WWE Network and that he's advancing so quickly and all this stuff. I read it sound there there it is that is that as you guys say in the business of wrestling is that are, are they just working there is that BS is when when Hunter Hurst Helmsley or whatever Paul H Man Bombhead wow. is out there when I don't know what his last name is that closely um <laughs> when when he's out there talking about how fast Tyson Fury is learning how seriously he wants this match to go. Is he for real or is that is he just kind of putting on? Is he promoting? Is he it's hard and to also tell. It's how hard safe to. is that? You he can't be taking real hard Tyson Fury should not be taking real hard wrestling bumps a month into his wrestling career, right? Well, should should Deontay Wilder be taking real hard left hook from Luis Ortiz a couple months ahead of a really yeah. Should 
Oscar De La Hoya be taking real hard bumps ever again. Oh, come. Wow. Wow. Meet me on the D, on the low, Oscar. I got two Fish words. scale, BC. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, there we went there. Uh, so here's the deal. I like a little bit of what I've seen on Tyson Fury because obviously he can talk. He's the right guy to try something like this. It seemed a little weird, of course, when you know the boxing politics, when you see SmackDown on Fox have a non-PBC guy, even though you can argue we're kind of long-term building toward Wilder Fury 2, which will be, in theory, a joint Fox and probably ESPN pay-per-view. It was just sort of weird because you would have thought with Fox launching SmackDown that it maybe would have been Wilder in this spot. Wilder's got a serious fight to prepare for, though. Fury's a guy who can talk. And I don't know if you saw in the crowd, Rafe, the first time Fury was there on the debut SmackDown episode in L.A., Nick Khan, super agent, two seats over. He's kind of the thread that weaves this all together, right? Represents ESPN's top-ranked boxing. Signed, helped negotiate the deal for WWE on SmackDown. Represents certain fighters, including Archer Betterbeeve. Like, it's all woven together with the CAA mafia there. So it's a seems like a smart move overall to turn Tyson Fury into a next-level superstar. Look, when Floyd did that quick retirement, and did Dancing with the Stars, and did WWE, and did WrestleMania 24, it was a big deal for a hot second, Rafe. You know what I'm saying? Like, it really was. So it's a smart move. Some of it's been cringe. Some of it's been actually pretty good. When they got on Raw, Braun Strowman and Fury had this break-apart brawl. Fury was good on the mic. What I didn't like, though, did you see the the press conference that WWE had in Vegas? couple fridays is, ago. is that the one that would basically look like a like a showtime upfront or like a yes. pbc unveil when it they have weird. everyone do bad face-offs it was really weird because it wasn't over the top fake pro wrestling and it also wasn't like legit shoot they didn't take questions on stage from the media and it was really this odd presentation that almost made me hate it worse Rafe, as both a boxing fan and a pro wrestling fan but in the end it's going to be business and i actually think Tyson Fury's got a little bit of pressure on him to perform. Rafe, you saw Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather at WrestleMania 24 in 2008, right? I've seen some clips of it on the Twitter. Okay, you never actually watched it is what you're saying. No, no. Okay, I will say this. Good-ass piece of business. Floyd took it seriously, took some bumps, told a great story. Remember, ahead of that on Raw, he even broke Big Show's nose, blood everywhere. Like, all in all, that's one of the best damn performances by a non pro wrestling superstar in pro wrestling that we've ever seen Rafe did you, you saw Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania 11 right it was fun against Bam Bam Bigelow but sloppy LT ran out of gas like it was what it was I'm sure you didn't see actor Stephen Amell a couple years ago look like a real ass wrestler when he got didn't in on a David Arquette get into wrestling for a hot minute David Arquette yeah um like Tyson Fury has a chance to actually do something good business-wise but nobody cares about that it's about his star it's about raising his profile. There's the whole Saudi Arabia element, though, Rafe, which is really Not shameless. Great. And then again, we're going to see AJ and, and, and Ruiz do that again. So all in all, I'm following with it. I'm into it a little, but I'm not like cheerleader on the side. I'm not like, yo, finally, my two friends that, that don't get along are hanging out. No, I'm not really going to that level. All right. I'm, I'm curious also, Brian, about this. Put on your other hat. Put on what put. Put a, hold up your crazy, I'm a 12-year-old boy in a 40-year-old man's body wow. wrestling sign. Wow. And, and tell us, what yo, does yo, the yo, w- yo, 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 
Tell us, tell us what the WWE fan thinks of Tyson Fury. Does does this matter to them, or are they like, look, we don't really care about these non wrestlers coming in to mess with our events. I know that the WWE historically has always wanted to bring in combat sports athletes because it, it sort of makes them look legitimate in some way. Why? But why does WWE ever need to look legitimate? It is what it is. People accept it for what it is. It's great theater. People like it. People like it more, more, more mother effing people like it than boxing, it seems. Yes. So, so they're doing something right. Why do they need boxers to come in and mess up their product? It's a, it's a real fertile time right now for pro wrestling. I know you don't care and most of the people listening don't care. I won't go too long on it, but. So everybody's ovulating. This is the third, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of movement right now. Uh, this is the third boom period right now. Okay, Rafe? You remember the first one was, when Vince McMahon took res- launched WrestleMania in the mid '80s, and it was like everywhere—that's that, the only boom that ever connected. The with second me. boom was the Attitude Era, where luckily you couldn't avoid it. Stone Cold Steve Austin was in your life, right? Hollywood Hogan was in your life. You true, could not true. avoid it. The Rock—you knew what he was cooking. You were smelling it. This is the third one, and it's because WWE's on mainstream TV Friday nights live on Fox. AEW has launched. And the business is so fertile that everybody's launching something. So this is WWE really stepping forward and saying, like, yo, we're still the leaders of this. We got Kane Velasquez from from that skinhead sport rematching Brock Lesnar. We got Tyson Fury. I think the wrestling fan likes this because Fury's 6'9". When he stands up against 6'8", Braun Strowman, it's kind of interesting. And he can talk. It's going to do well. There's that shameless side with Saudi Arabia where WWE sort of makes these cards more important than WrestleMania, and WrestleMania is supposed to be sacred. We're already too long down this rabbit hole. Nobody cares, Rafe. I'm more interested in I actually care. how you care. I care. Okay, I, because well, well, I'm a wrestling guy. I'm watching it anyway. I'm talking about it on my weekly State of Combat Pro Wrestling podcast anyway. But you, as sort no, of No, Brian, no. You tell me. Do wrestling fans like this? I think they do. I think they do, yes. Okay. Because Fury, Fury will win you over, not when he's on your podcast. But hey, let, let me drop the plug now. Hey, it's a big week for the State of Combat podcast. You're not just getting the return of the box pod today. Please check out our weekly pro wrestling pod on Tuesday this week as we recap all things going on in this third boom period. Our MMA pod on Wednesday with Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans. When I sit down, by the way, with top Bellator welterweights champion Rory McDonald, Top challenger Douglas Lima ahead of Saturday's must-see rematch in the finals of the skinhead white guy Bellator welterweight Grand Prix tourney. But Thursday is our bonus pod that all levels of combat are going to have to hear. Who are our guests? Tyson Fury back on the State of Combat podcast. Triple H here. And even Jack Swagger, Jake Hager himself, who not only has a fight this Friday with Bellator, but is a big part of what's going on with AEW. That's my plug. Do what you will with it. And Rafe, one more thing. Canelo Kovalev week is coming up the week of November 2nd. We're going to have four podcasts that week. Monday preview, Thursday and Friday bonus interview pods from Radio Row in Las Vegas, and a Saturday night instant analysis after the fight which the people want to know, Rafe, will you be a part of? If you ask me, Brian, I'll be ready. All right. All right. You heard it right here, folks, in his Detroit living room at 8 Mile. Rafe will check in to break that ish down. Can't wait. Fired the heck up. Uh, Rafe, so to close on this, are you going to seek it out? Do you care? Will you drop $9.99 to get the WWE Network on Halloween Day to see Tyson Fury in the damn desert 
to see Cain Velasquez Brock Lesnar too. Do you care, Rafe? No, I don't care. I mean, I'm interested. I'll follow it, but in no way I'm watching it. I, 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 this is, I like to hear about pro wrestling. I like to kind of stay on the outskirts, understand the narratives. That stuff is interesting. It's fun to follow. It's fun to listen to guys like you who really know it well talk about it. The, the, the man who made shoes, whatever the hell you used to call David Shoemaker, my, my old, uh, co- colleague at Grantland. Uh, who I used to work with as an editor. It was fun to work on his stuff and just learn all the in-depth weird stuff about pro wrestling. But anytime I went to the next level and actually watched it, I would just be there like, this is so boring. This is all BS. And I don't ever want to do this again. So I'll stay where I am. I'll watch the highlights. I'll follow what happens. I think it's interesting that Fury won. I mean, of course, he is such a good talker. Even he's better unscripted. But I don't know if, if you can really trust him unscripted with a fan, with a broadcast entity. Well, I think uh, that's why, Rafe, when he returns to the SOC podcast this Thursday, he's got Triple H sitting next to him. They didn't let him loose with, you know, on the WWE brand. Right. Uh, but he still, he still talks well. He obviously looks the part in a way that few boxers who've done it on that, who, who made that crossover, you made the Floyd connection. Floyd, because he's a welterweight, still looked ridiculous in a, in a ring with these muscle-browned, gigantic dudes in WWE. Fury looks the part. He sounds good. I, I think he'll be good at it. And and also, you could see the way, because, so the, I, the one interesting thing about this with Fury that I've kind of observed or, or think I'm observing from the outside is that he is throwing himself into it the same way he threw himself into training basically he's he's substituted addictions right he used to be addicted to god knows what oh, now you. he's addicted to learning new things training get being rafe, in the gym that's great for cash, him rafe he's addicted to the money because there are reports that's- coming out that he's making not regular wwe payments to be a celebrity crossover that he's getting saudi money for this so that he's getting upwards of like 15 oh. 20 million and there's also little teases based to put on it in Buster Rhymes old terms. This is a quote. This is not my words. He's making a rap money. Yes. Yes. We can edit that out if anyone's offended. Yes, but he is. And also he did a little after that Las Vegas press conference, he did a little media scrum after. And he sort of teased the idea that he may have a match with Cain Velasquez when all is said and done. So he likes money, Rafe. He's addicted to that. But he also likes being a showman. And if he's going to take legit bumps, if this is going to be like a real match, I, I guess you got to you got to see it. You got to see what it's going to look like. But look, I would I would tune in if Tyson Fury took a few legit bumps on Cam. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? All right, we want to hear your thoughts on legitimate things involving boxing, and we'll do that right after we hear a word, Rafe, from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, dig it. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. And we're back, BC, Rafe Bugs. So much to get to in the world of Boxeo. Rafe, we're going to talk better to be Vodzik shortly. I want to just hit you up almost lightning round style with a lot of the ish that we missed. Okay, Rafe, that Good we luck. lightning round with us. Yeah, that's that's is that possible? Is that even a thing that can happen, Rafe? Um, probably not. 
But look, if you need show, you know who to call. Guys, you you need show, you need amazing show, just call me. I'm staying here. I'm ready for everybody. And he delivered. His name is Gennady Golovkin. And I want to extend this to a real quick, what a time to be alive as a boxing fan, Rafe. We just had Spence Porter, and it friggin' delivered. Then a week later, while I'm in Jamaica, we get Triple G Sergey Deryavchenko, and good lord, Rafe, it delivered. I finally watched it last night, mind you. Holy crap, did I love that fight. But what people have wanted to know for weeks since we stopped doing this show is whether we need to bring in Prince Ahmed. I know this sounds terrible. <laughs> I think you should finish. No, that's, that's too that's too. Harsh. First of all, that's too harsh. But Rafe, Triple G hangs on. Close decision over Dervinchenko. Some people think he didn't deserve it. A lot of people think at 37, we saw for the first time really a non-elite Triple G. What do you say, Rafe? Well, one thing I always, that always happens with these Triple G fights when he looks bad um, is I, I go back to those early days of just over the top, overhyped exuberance around him. And instead of enjoying the fight on its own merits, as I probably should have with this, because it was such a good back and forth, exciting fight. It's just sort of like I get down. I'm like, damn, man, this guy just he's not the same anymore. And he's not. I think if you if you were holding out hope, if you were trying to give every benefit of the doubt that, oh, maybe he was trying out some new things versus Steve Rolls and that's why it was so easy for Rolls to hit him before the knockout. No, 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 no. He's old. He's old. He's on the way out. He was so good and he still has power that he can compete at a very high level against a very good the version of Sergei, Sergei Derevianchenko because – Man, if you watched Derevianchenko against Jack Colquet earlier this year to get into to, to the, the eliminator to get that shot, it was he he looked like trash. He almost didn't win that fight. Colquet almost knocked him out near the end of it. You're like, damn, this guy's supposed to be be good right now. We're kissing this guy's ass because of this guy's manager who doesn't have a Twitter account and just tweets through the media. Like, um, are you talking about Keith Conley? Yo, for all the money that man makes. He can open a free Twitter account and tweet out of that. Tweet out of that, you meant. Why would right? he, though, Rafe, when he has people who are willing to share the sauces for him, Rafe? I suppose. I suppose. People love um, condiments. <laughs> but, Brian, um, so look, the, the, the bottom line is Triple G is near the very end. He's still good enough to compete and make some fun fights. He's got that chin that is insane. That, that probably, unfortunately, in terms of, of per, and this is not a laughing matter, right? I mean, in terms of fighter health, that chin will probably be there a very long time, and you don't want him to rely on it too much as, as he gets into these wars later in his career, which it seems like he's going to. But you also want to see him, make, he's got this opportunity to make a ton of money with the zone, right? I mean, they're paying him $15 million for these fights. If he gets an, a third Canelo fight, and gets his ass handed to him probably, uh, he will make a ton of money for that as well. And you want to see him set up for life, perhaps maybe even more so than he already is. Oh, he's set up is for good. life after this $5 billion zone deal. Believe me, he's set up for life. I hope so. I hope so. He deserves it. More, more fighters deserve it too. Um, but he doesn't – he's not – I look, I just think the there's no – 
there's no there we've run out of excuses we've run out of explanations this this is an aging fighter a once great no longer great aging fighter who is going to make some good fights for whatever remains of his All career right, well let's talk about this because the the, the whole idea of prince nasid hamed coming in is 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 ridiculous the the real debate is is he still elite okay here's oh. the deal you're saying no but i have to counter that and say is sergei derevenchenko elite because no he looked pretty damn good in pushing Danny Jacobs, who is elite, to a split decision loss. And he looked pretty damn great getting up from a knockdown, coming back from a vicious cut on his right eye, and making this one hell of a fight of the year contender, which it was, Rafa. So, yes, Triple G's not the same guy who made Curtis Stevens make that face. Yes, he's not the same guy who captured our heart and had us saying, whoa, mythical matchup Monday, Triple G Hagler. But, Rafe, he went in there against an elite-ass guy and came away with the win in a fun-ass fight. Yeah, he slipped a little, but how is I don't know if he's still pretty quasi-elite, if you ask me, at 37. When you have that chin and have that power, you can overcome your lack of quickness. Yeah, with your old age. Yeah, it's. I mean, look, he's. I. I, I mean, we're split. You can split hairs with elite, right? I'll split Are your ass, about, Rafe. <laughs> Are we wait, talking wait, about wait, elite, wait. as in he's still a world. I. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking. Look, you, you. You just stay away from from the ass, okay? At least my ass. Um. Actually, it's your but, bowl. It's your. It's your bowl. Sorry. <laughs> um. You can split hairs over what is elite. Is he still? Does he still deserve a spot in the top five middleweight rankings? By accomplishment, yes. Would you pick? I I I think back to something I saw. Julian J Rock Williams's trainer, Stephen Breadman Edwards. Wow, so many nicknames and names there. Uh, tweet after the fight. Yeah, he deserves his where his his status, what he's achieved, what he's earned in the sport, Triple G, and and he's still you could say a top five middleweight. He still deserves because he doesn't have. That an official loss, other than in that very close Canelo second fight, that he still belongs in near the back end of top 10 pound for pound ratings. But if you actually looked at him and just gave him the eye test, no way in hell would you say this guy is one of the 10 best boxers in the world right now. And he's going to lose soon. I mean, I don't think that uh, Breadman was crazy when he when he said that he thinks that there are 10 fighters out there from 154 to 160 pounds who would have a good chance of beating Golovkin right now. Well, here's the deal. Here's why I want to counter that, all right? And first, we'll bring in Jamie Foxx. You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. Um, to get in Triple G's A, you've got to have two things going for you. you got to have balls, Rafe, okay? And you have to have the chin to get inside and have the success against him inside that only, only Rafe, Saul Canelo Alvarez... And Sergei Derevchenko have had. I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. Um, you can't just go out there, ten people, and say, you know what? I'm gonna walk Triple G down and get in there because he's gonna touch you. He's gonna drop you. So, I think this fight was more about okay, go watch the Jack Colke fight. Maybe Sergei didn't have it that night, but he's pretty much quasi elite, and now he showed it to us twice, and he's really damn good. And it mixed perfectly with Triple J being a little bit not the same guy. But the whole idea 
Is Trips G washed? No. Yeah, he was hurt for the first time, really, in portions of this fight. But he hung on and won. I really think, in the end, it was a flip of the coin to what you preferred in terms of how that fight was judged. It really was. So I think all of that came together. Fans got a fight of the year contender. We found out that Derevinchenko is the guy. He is an elite. He's there. And Triple G still had enough by winning the copybox number battle, by winning the jab battle, to edge one out. So I think everybody won. And I want to ask you, in terms of boxing karma, in terms of that woman judge, if you know what I mean, Rafe. That woman judge who... Um, in terms of 118, 110 Canelo, in terms of all that crap, are we even, is Triple G even karma when you consider two great brawls, all elite fights with Canelo? Unfortunately, he comes out with a draw and a loss when a lot of people think he should have come out with two wins or a win and a loss or a win and a draw. Yet, he had two really close-ass fights with Daniel Jacobs and Derevinchenko and was sort of fortunate to come out with two wins rather than a draw or a loss. Are we even in terms of Triple G now, historically? I don't know if we're even. It's just, you know, there's an old saying, Brian, that uh, uh, feces rolls downhill, right? And so when Triple G had to eat the big bowl of feces, it was against the guy who was up the hill from him, Canelo Alvarez. And... Triple G got to crap all over Danny J. Well, actually, honestly, I, I mean, like, I, I, and I think that Triple G beat Jacobs and I scored the draw, Rafe. I understand. Yeah, you scored every close fight a draw or Andre Ward won them all. And I actually had three 10 10 <laughs> rounds. Carl Frotch was in my ear, Rafe. Okay. 80K <laughs> can't be wrong. Um, I'm kidding. I, I, don't, I don't have one 10 10 round. If you have a 10 10 round, you're an a hole. Keep going, Rafe. Damn. Making a, a firm stand anyway. Um, but yes, he, so, so I don't know if that's karma. That's just the unfair n- nature of boxing that the, that whoever the A side in each fight is going, gets more often than not gets the benefit of the doubt. Rafe, in terms of me, because suddenly I'm a questionable scorer, according to Boxing Twitter. Suddenly, okay? I'm going to present you with my four most controversial scorecards in history. And you tell me which one you're most angry at. Are you ready for this? Okay. Okay. Austin Trout, 114. Canelo Alvarez, 112. I can't be angry at that, Brian. Um, Keith Thurman, 115. Manny Pacquiao, 113. Triple G, Danny Jacobs, 114, 114. And Arash Usmani... Losing 115-113 to Rancis Bartholomew on Friday Night Fights. Which one, Rafe, really rubs you wrong? How can our Usmani Bartholomew be one of your most controversial scorecards? I wrote a blog Brian? that people Dude, were How wrong. many people do you think actually saw that fight? Remember now, when Teddy I, Atlas I remember went people off? being upset. Teddy probably had had some strong feelings, but it, that is not people. Stop it! Yeah. Stop it! Stop it! Brian, you made me flip hamburgers here. I'm not used to flipping hamburgers. Right. None of look. The, the, what's the worst scorecard of those? The most uh, ridiculous, ridiculous. The one filled with the most ridiculousness is probably 
it would either be uh, Thurman over Manny or Trout over Canelo. Probably Trout over Canelo. Trout, I, I, I didn't wasn't I crazy about fight. Canelo's work in that fight, but but Austin Trout did even less, Rafe, and he got dropped. Rafe, that's worth one point. Okay, so don't you even start that. Okay, Rafe. Anyway, ring general, you're gonna ring general shit me here with anyway, with Austin do Trout have, doing not a damn thing in that thing. Do you uh, Kazakhstan forever? Do you have a big gift to people and and just wrap up what I told you? Triple G not washed, just old. He survives and advances. He's still going to get Canelo for a trilogy next year. Probably going to lose that fight. But we all won from this fight at the Garden, Rafe. We all won. Yes, Dervinchenko, hard luck loser. But he's going to get another. He's basically going to keep getting title shots because he's proven that he's that close. He's that good, Rafe. You know what? He's going to keep losing them too. Wow. All right. All right. We'll leave it at that, Big Red. Okay. Yep. No panache, no flair, no show. Waste of money. Uh, speaking of shows that aren't a waste of your money, Rafe, there are other podcasts besides the State of Combat on CBS Sports. And if you want a fresh perspective on what's really happening in the world of sports, Rafe, we at CBS have a brand new daily podcast to recommend. It's called Nothing Personal with David Sampson and features the former Marlins president decoding what's going on behind the scenes when owners make a statement, when coaches tell a lie, when stars get traded, and much, much more. David's a guy, Rafe, that has won a World Series. He's also a guy that's lost 100 games, and he's done everything in between, including competing that time on CBS's Survivor. And he'll break through the noise Monday through Friday for a pod available for your drive home commute in Detroit. Download and subscribe to Nothing Personal with David Sampson on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you find podcasts. Tell them BC sent you because, Rafe, sometimes when I put the things in my ear holes, I want to talk to Sampson. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Brian, did you say that David is a guy? Yeah, he's a guy. Oh, oh good, because I want guys. Oh, should you should have teased me? I mean, that is somewhere on my soundboard, Rafe. Somewhere, okay, I, somewhere is on my soundboard. Wow. There's a guy here from Sheffield that can actually serve you your ass. Yes, we need that guy on the show, Rafe. It's about time we finally get Carl Frotch on the show, right? I would, I would hope so. Speaking uh, but, of of yeah. top British blokes that we need on the show, did you observe that Twitter moment of a lifetime that I had this week on Twitter? <laughs> You mean that uh, you got a uh, a very basic, thoughtless response to a tweet wow. from Darren Barker. So there's a bloke who listens to our show named Jack. Get a little bit of fan service for you. Jack McCarran at JBirdKK. Good thing he left off that last K for savings. Right? Saving That's his terrible. soul right there. It's JBirdK, B-U-R-G-K-K. He tweets at, 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 at the one and only Darren Barker and says, how did you get up from that Gil body shot? You had no business getting up from that and then at me at the end of the tweet. And it turns into this special moment, Rafe. Okay. Where I basically say, hey, 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 Barker. That was, you know, th- to make up for, by the way, the two times he blew me off in Vegas. Uh, that, you know, that's one of my favorite moments in boxing history. I'm, I'm still moved by it. He responds. He follows me back on Twitter. Everyone's happy everyone's erect Rafe if you will will you will you yes I sure will okay thank you thank you Rafe um everybody everybody's happy after that Rafe what a moment what a time what a to be moment. alive yeah I true. will slide in Darren Barker's DMs and tell him two things one no business no business getting up from that body shot two 
we need you on the show. Okay, because you know what, Rafe? I have a statement to make. Are you ready for it? Okay. All right. F Dwyer. Whoa. Okay. Okay, Rafe. Yeah, okay. You, you, you really don't want what's coming at you on Twitter later this afternoon. Hey, man, don't be a blank. You know, hey, you're really going to act this way. I am, Rafe. You're really going to be buffoonish. Because, Rich, we love you, okay? We love you. We want you on this show. We want it. We spread the love of the cult of Dwyer. But he don't love us back. He don't want to be a part of what we got going on here, Rafe. So you know what? Dwyer out. Darren Barker in. Okay? That's 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 what side of history I stand on. F. Dwyer. Damn, Brian. All of this. So so all it, if, if Dwyer, basically if you, all it takes is Dwyer to respond to a tweet from you. And you'll be back back in on him. You'll be like, I love this guy. Yes. He's the best. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But, like, it's been a while, Rafe, okay? I want guys that want me back. I want. I want guys. Okay? And Darren Barker is now a part of the SOC family. Thank you very much. Rafe, we got so much crap to talk about and get through still. Um, I wanted to talk about Cheeky Turtlenecks, Rafe. There's a new trend in boxing, including your colleague, Mike Coppinger, to just show up at fights with a blazer and a turtleneck underneath. And somebody asked even Eddie Hearn about it, who is known for that such style. And here's what he had to say. It's got a little bit chilly outside. Polo necks are back. Um, for everyone. And I've noticed, actually, that a lot of people in the boxing industry are trying to rock the polo. Mike Coppinger, you know who you are, Leonard Ellaby. I know you like a cheeky polo neck as well. So we're back. We're back. The polo necks are back. You see. I don't think they're back, Rafe. They, this, is, this is where I got to draw a hard line, and I love that Eddie calls them polo necks, just like he calls vests waistcoats. But here's the deal, Rafe. I don't know if I just got old and washed at 41 because there's starting to be certain technological advances that I'm just going, you know what? That's a little too much for me. I'm not in on that revolution. I'm not going to download that app. I need you to promote this show on TikTok, Brian. Get on it. Exactly. I, you know the 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 ropes uh, cast on uh, on on what what app was that? Snapchat ahead Snapchat of its time. Snapchat ahead of its time. I was I was so much younger then, Rafe. I'm older than that now. Okay. Um, this whole turtleneck revolution. It's lame. It's weird, and it's cheeky. And I love that Eddie called out both Leonard. And the top coppinger, if you come at the king, you best not miss. I'm going to come at the king, Rafe, okay? I'm coming at it and say, that's lame. Stop wearing that crap. That's lame. Hey, Eddie, you're lame. Hey, Mike, you're lame. Hey, Dwyer, F, all right? That's it, Rafe. That's all I got. If you show up with a cheeky turtleneck, you're off the damn show, okay? <laughs> so you're going to ban Eddie Hearn, too? Yes. He's a cheeky. Oh, wow. Well, the, wow. see, the Brits, they roll differently. What am I talking about? They're like, you know, we've talked to Gareth A. Davis, right? The Warlock. They they roll a little bit differently. So Eddie fair, might be fine, okay? Fair enough. Um, Look, it's not my style. I don't have a style. I'm happy. You know what? Honestly, Brian, I, I in my head, and I make some concessions to changing times, but in my head, I am still like a 17-year-old riding the subway to school in some two big-ass jeans and hoodies and wishing I was tough enough to rock an Avarex jacket without getting robbed, but dealing with a crappy South Pole jacket instead. 
and just that's who I still consider myself. Now, I will dress up a little bit better in polite company to look like a professional, but you ain't going to see me chasing any trends. So if stuff is on trend and you want to be on trend and people compliment you for it, good for you. But that ain't that ain't for me. Not for me, bro. I'm just saying, Rafe, it's getting time. You're almost as washed as I am. It's getting time. Where we might be certain, we might be washed for good in certain categories. Where we might good, just draw good, the line look, and good. say, "That's it." I, I will step out of my my cheeky turtleneck and right into a nice gray fleece. I'm good. All right, line it up for me. Well, speaking of things that uh, revolutions, trends, things that we are ahead on, certainly we got ahead of the load, Rafe. We were ahead of the game on Load Watch, even. After the boxing bully Barack Bess last year came on we've here been, and said, "We've been managing loads since before Kawhi Leonard was winning yes, winning rings. Before Paul Pierce came on this show and said pretty gross things about what he wants. You know, I'm tired of getting the taste of. It. I want the whole load. Man. Uh, wow. Um. You know, Barack Bess said, "No more, bro. You're gonna shoot that load. I'm gonna be there. Okay. Um." There's a, I never thought it could evolve more. In fact, I thought if it did evolve more, we might have a problem. But Tevin Farmer in a recent press conference took the loads to a whole new level. One thing that he did wrong tonight was he just, oh, he just threw, he threw his load, you know. Uh, he threw his load. I just feel like he needs to slow down a little bit, pick his shots more. Rafe, I didn't even know what was, like, this is some, like, Silence of the Lambs jail scene type of stuff. I didn't know you could throw a load, Rafe. I mean, I'm, it probably helps to freeze it first. Ugh, wow. Um, are you down with this with this escalation? <laughs> am I down? Am I? I mean, I don't. I think that's highly inappropriate, Brian. You should not ever throw a load at anyone. Yeah, I'm with you. It's making a wee bit of a mockery of a sport that I love. And I yeah, think- uh, you know, load watch is something I love. That is making a mockery. All right, we got to speed up and keep going here. Uh, Rafe, I want to get serious for a second. Obviously, the big news. This past week was the death of Patrick Day, the 27-year-old junior middleweight, fought on his own undercard, got stopped in the 10th round against unbeaten Charles Conwell, lost his battle just a few days later due to brain injuries. Third death in three months, Rafe, when you go back to that week in July where Maxim Dadashev and that fighter from South America, who I don't have the name in front of me at the moment. Hugo Santillan. Um, look, during that stretch, we did the whole podcast editorials. We brought it. I've talked on different shows lately just being like, look, like, it's hard, man, because we're complicit hypocrites in this, meaning that these guys come in, we want wars, and when they pass, yes, we stop talking about them. We move on to the next one, and in some ways, that's the only way we can get through it, Rafe, to stay with this, but in the end, you really can't change it. These are... It's different when a fighter's old and washed and you're just like, look, we got to keep him away from the sport. we got to do the right proper brain t- tests. But these are three fighters who all passed away under the age of 27, Rafe. It's hard. And sometimes the only way to keep going on as a fan, journalist, or if you're in the game, is to just say, look, we all knew what we signed up for. And on to the next fight. But that sucks, Rafe. I don't have any way of making good sense of this. There is no good way to make sense of it. I, I think that the last few months have reminded us in in sort of the starkest terms that I can, that, you know, I have a shorter period of being a really serious, hardcore boxing fan or media person than than a lot of people. But 
in the even the the decade or so that I've really really taken the sport seriously this is the the this 3 month period kind of makes it clearer than ever and and just the the starkest terms that there is no there's no there's no there is no good way to excuse it there is no it, it there this is a side of the sport that if you really cared about people you'd probably just say this sport shouldn't exist the world is not that way and i there's the other side of that is the true what i believe is true that boxing saves more lives than it takes a couple things that that really got under my skin thinking about this not really making me upset about it, other people but just made me feel bad about myself my role in it all is that yes boxing saves more lives than it takes but how come how come fighters while while who, who may have their lives saved and elevated in a lot of really meaningful ways during their careers why doesn't the sport do more to to help them sustain those gains in their lives why is it that the media the promoters the networks the the business apparatus around the sport everyone there lives long comfortable lives whereas fighters live short marvelous lives that often quickly turn really bad um it's it, it, there there are ways to you know there you, there there should be ways to to at least look into and deliver better long-term health insurance for fighters, better long-term money financial management, better way you know looking out for 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 fighters who are going to get ripped off. Like if if you're going to put your life on the line as like they do every time they they do what they do as a profession, they shouldn't be exploited at this level. And and we shouldn't feel quite as okay with that as we do. And I look I get it. It's easy to say this. I don't have solutions. And and I, I kind of recommend people listening to Pauli Malignaggi's podcast last week after um, Patrick Day's death, where it's a classic Pauli rant. It doesn't make sense on every logical level. It doesn't, he's not, it's not a perfect argument. And if you're going to pick it apart, you say, well, Pauli, Pauli's wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. This is not a perfect argument. But a lot of the time when Pauli speaks from his heart, he's, let me let me let me let me quickly add a caveat maybe not when it comes to politics but um or 2013 keep going <laughs> actually that was true sorry that was true that was true when paulie speaks from his heart especially about boxing he is he is right about something at the core of the issue and he's like yo 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 yo, yo. why are we talking about MRIs and all the little ticky tack things we can do to make the sport better when we don't, we don't give a crap anymore that we just assume most high-level fighters are cycling on and off performance-enhancing drugs whenever they can in and out of competition. Like, that's uh, uh, like why is that cool, but the commission not getting uh, the like how far the commission's oxygen tank is from the ring is something we're trying to improve but we're like oh yeah but keep turning yourself into an even stronger more powerful more uh enduring killing machine than you are than you already are uh so that's interesting uh, because we think of steroids always in a power sense but in a lot of ways, the, the PEDs are allowing you to fight at such a harder, faster pace for longer. And they let you take more punishment, and you too. Take they more let punishment. more things yeah. happen to your brain. 
It's crazy. It's it, that's all interesting stuff. And and you know to take the any kind of joke out of out of me playing the soundbite. Al Heyman the goat. I, I think that's why. Look, Al Heyman's not perfect. And from a matchmaking sense, as as fans, we've had uh, up and down issues over the years. But the whole side of the Robin Hood element of taking care of fighters, of of putting them in stronger financial positions and in better positions to call their own shots. Like, I wonder if we'll look back at the pre-Al Heyman era, which was boxing for the last hundred years, when guys like Aram and King would just, you know, come away rich on some absurd percentage of the purse for not taking punishment is almost looked at as sort of a dinosaur trend, a distant era. Just like right now we look at fighter pay in MMA and in UFC and be like, wow, that is not even even close to what boxers make. How is that even legal? Um, yeah, I, I guess is it would, it would it make it easier to, to justify our place in the sport and deal with the absolute harsh realities of the sport if we know that all fighters are better taken care of I guess, possibly, yes, it makes sense, but this is not new, the trend of boxing death. It just happened to be three quick ones in a row, but uh, it's never easy, Rafe. It's never easy, and I think the only way I get through it is just going on to the next, and I hate that. That's, I mean, that's true. It's also, I mean, that that's something that, ha- that's sort of a, a fact of modern life. I, I, everyone, everyone, no matter what you do, chances are you feel like you are constantly moving putting out fires dealing with stuff in with your family life with your jobs with it's it all blends into one and it all hits you so fast that even that 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 outside of the people the the friends the family the loved ones of some of of a fighter who dies no one even gets a chance to sit there and process for more than what your news cycle 24 goddamn hours is all anyone has for anything else and i'm writing BS recaps of the weekend because I because that's what is expected of us and we we're all trapped man that's it you know so you yes you move on it's not right but you none of us have any goddamn choice and I think uh, you know it is fair to ask the question Rafe when this happens outside of regulations and testing and all that is there anything in the ring is there anything in the sport we should be doing differently I mean I think the answer is always no because every human is different and as Deontay Wilder always correctly says. A doctor told him when he was young, you're not meant to get punched in the head. We all know that. We all understand that. But any kind of fundamental change outside of shortening fights, maybe? I don't know. I mean, it's not boxing anymore when you start changing it. Yes, that is probably true. What was One of the things I I keep thinking back, I mean, that that Pauly podcast stuck to me. I, I guess I may have a greater soft spot for him than than other people, other listeners. But like... It, there's a part there where he says, you know what, if this is how the sport is going to continue, then maybe boxing should be banned. Like it gets Pauli Malignaggi a life, you know, a lifer in the sport in every way to say, look, if this is this is the way the sport is going to be run, maybe this sport doesn't deserve to exist anymore. And yes. I don't know if he's right. And, it, and it's not going to happen whether he's right or not. I mean, morally, he probably is right. But the, if we if we we went around changing everything that was morally wrong in our worlds, then I don't know. We like, it would be completely unrecognizable to us. Um, but it, it was just, it was a, 
it was a big statement to me to hear that from someone as deep into the sport as, as, as a fighter, a two-time former champion who's uh, currently calls fights for Showtime and in, in the UK and all that other stuff. Agreed. It's it, it's there's no answer, and there's a much larger, deeper discussion there on this side of staying serious for a second. Rafe, we had big news in recent weeks with Errol Spence's uh, mor- almost miraculous survival from crashing his Ferrari at high speeds, 3 a.m. In, a, in Dallas a couple weeks back, gets ejected from the vehicle, not wearing a seatbelt, somehow no broken bones, and comes away with just kind of scratches and superficial wounds. And then we find out what a lot of us assumed it, it, it was a DUI, and, and he was over the limit, and all that not good stuff associated with that. Does that change the way, Rafe, in your opinion, we should look at this story? Because in terms of life, this is pretty damn miraculous. Errol Spence is one of the top stars of this sport, and he almost should have died in a crash this violent and absurd. And I think a lot of people saw the the footage of it, and you're just like, wow. And then there was sort of that na- that natural, understandable backlash of, like, let's not hero praise this comeback because he put himself and a lot of people in jeopardy by his actions. How do you sort of look at this and, and receive and feel this, Rip? I'll put you on the hot seat. Well, yes, of, co- of course we shouldn't hero praise this comeback. Uh, I am grateful that Errol Spence was not seriously, gravely injured in that accident. I'm more, even, I think, more grateful that because he was under the influence, he didn't hurt anyone else. That, that, that's, that's the main takeaway. That's where it begins and really ends. Then beyond that, you hope that he has some kind of wake up call that like this is and not just about drinking responsibly, but as a person who needs to take care of his body as a, as one of really the elite athletes on this planet whose body is worth m- multiple millions of dollars. And, and on top of that could have a great, great legacy in the sport that, that we can go on talking about that. He can go on talking about that. He should want to go on sharing with his kids and his grandchildren one day forever that you know that 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 he what to whatever degree that that kind of behavior is a problem in his life that he he, he can avoid it more that he can get they can get it under control some I, I i don't know anything about his drinking habits he clearly was was under the influence when he was behind the wheel um you know it, it's scary to be in a car crash. I fell asleep behind the wheel once when I was I was dead sober, but I, I was stupid in that I was jet lagged, overworked, stayed at the office late to finish editing a story for a job that didn't last another six months. Dumbest shit I ever did. Totaled my car. Almost hurt people. Yeah. And it scared the crap out of me. And I, I look, I, I so and that and I, I vowed never to be so stupid, reckless, even when I wasn't doing something that was legally reckless at all. But just it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. No, this is a larger life conversation. And I hope it's a it's the right wake up call for Spence. I don't know much about his personal life besides the fact that I think he's a great dude. I think he seems to stand for the right things from what we see on the inside of his life. But uh, this is from the outside looking in, I mean, um, yeah, I hope this is a giant wake up call. I hope he can continue his career and I hope he can be better and really be a, a 
a positive role model in a lot of ways moving forward. And I hope this wakes up the whole business and everyone. I, hope, I really, it's just, it's crazy. It, it seems like he was given this miraculous gift to, 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 to not be affected from this physically. So I don't know what kind of, what kind of mental sort of comeback is going to be needed from a, from a scare this crazy, but um, we wish Errol Spence well. And I, and I hope that this is a, a huge wake up call because he's a top talent and a really good dude. And uh, wow. It's, it's just crazy, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. It is. But there's really not too much you can say beyond that. So, Rafe, moving forward quickly, I need 60 seconds from you on Alexander Usyk's heavyweight debut. Oh, man, that happened, too. Yeah, he stopped Chaz Witherspoon, the late replacement. We never got the Tyrone Sponge fight. Tyrone Spunk? Spunk. Spunk. I don't know. Tyrone Spunk. Yeah. Don't throw your spunk Have you seen him fight before? Stop. Yeah, just stop, stop, please, please. All right, it's like when it's like stop. when women speak to Bob Arum, right? So obviously he's gonna do whatever he wants. Yeah, right. All right, right. no. Uh, yeah. Right? I mean, it's like it's like you know you wanna you wanna bother Bob Arum with that kind of stuff. That's that's the way of the world. I don't give a shit. Uh, Rafe, do you give an ish about the performance we saw from Usyk? Uh, he certainly didn't dazzle, but. I took umbrage with people watching that in which he dominated Chaz Witherspoon and, and stopped him as people going, all right, there's my proof. He'll never beat the Wilder AJ's Furies of the world. Get that ish out of here. Yeah, that is stupid, Brian. You should feel that way about that because while this didn't really tell us a great deal about what Alexander Usyk will accomplish as a heavyweight, no one should have expected it to. And it did look – Usyk, when he fights – lower competition is not it can be less impressive it can be misleadingly un, unimpressive about how good he really is because i underestimated him at, at cruiserweight when he was beating uh tabisu umchunu and even even the michael even michael hunter the michael hunter fight on hbo where he struggled a little bit with that in the beginning and we didn't know at that point in time how good Michael Hunter actually is because it was earlier in his career and now Hunter's at heavyweight and he's one of the the hottest young rising heavyweights in the sport. Um, and Usyk is not a guy he, – he doesn't – he didn't have crazy power at, at cruiserweight. He's not going to have it definitely at heavyweight. And yes, he is going to have to do something really improbable that we haven't really seen anyone do before – at heavyweight, which is win without much punching power and basically move and present angles and and be defensively responsible enough not to get caught with a punch that knocks him out against the biggest, heaviest punchers in the world. Not pound for pound heaviest, but just heaviest overall because of how goddamn big they all are. It is dangerous stuff. He is going to have to walk a tightrope and pitch shutouts every time against these guys. And the amazing thing about it, the thing that I'm excited about, is that if you had to pick one guy who might be able to do it, it's this guy. Yes. He is the guy. We've seen him pitch shutouts against Murat Gassiev. He didn't get – the Briatus fight was not a shutout at all. But the way – there is a path to victory for him against these guys, and it is by moving them, by basically tiring them out, taking them – like. Not just taking them into deep waters, but creating the whirlpool to drown them, and that, and and either beating, breaking their wills because they can't keep up with him over however and however many rounds, or actually getting to the point like they did with Witherspoon, where he's so tired he can't continue, and 
and I think he can do up. that at higher levels. He also could get knocked out. We don't know yet. I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think the only thing you can say negative about this performance was that I felt Usyk played it safe, figured, look, I can't gain a whole lot from this. Figured out early Witherspoon was going to dig in a little bit and wasn't going to be finished. The first, you know, 10 punches that touched him, which some of us thought, giving Chaz Witherspoon's history, right? Every time he steps up, he gets handled easily. But the only thing Usyk didn't do was dazzle. He was very Usyk-like. He went out there and clinically took this guy apart, took some snapshots the first couple rounds, and then did what he had to do. We still don't know about his chin, but we already know he doesn't have knockout power, so he's still the Swiss Army knife against all these heavyweights if he can get in there and survive and outbox him. He came out and said, I'll outbox Wilder for 12 rounds. That's the guy I want next, even though a lot of people think because of the DAZN relationship that's more likely that he would face the winner of AJ Ruiz 2, which will probably happen, but... I sat down with Deontay Wilder while filming PBC face to face with him and Ortiz that you're going to be able to check out on November 2nd on Fox. I thought you were going to say while filming that weird CBS show Wilder is on. Yes, yes. What show is that? I don't know. He plays like a uh, a marine oh, in yeah, some yeah. CBS. So while, drama. while filming that weird Fox show that he's on with me, um, <laughs> Offset, I was like, hey, dude, what do you think about uh, Usyk? And he's just like, dude, everybody wants to make their name off of me. Let's see if that guy can take a punch. And that's really the right way to look at it. We're all going to see. But any of you so-called experts out there, turtlenecks or not, uh, take a chill pill on on counting this guy out. Because, look, outside of Tyson Fury, Usyk can do things in a ring against heavyweights that no one else can. So he moves on. We're going to find out. We know he has balls. But your boy Richie Dwyer checked in on this whole situation of cruiser mates making move to heavy. Right? If Maris Breedis wins that fight, and I think he does, then look for him to also travel to the heavyweight division because in my eyes, he's a bigger threat to Usyk than, let's say, Anthony Joshua would be. Whoa. Now, I know many of you are going to disagree with me. Certainly casinos do, right? Joshua somehow is a favorite against Andy in the rematch. <laughs> I understand the betting lines don't line up with anything I've said. That's okay. Laugh it up, Rich. Uh, your thoughts on that? I I love it. Not because I think it's necessarily true, but because in Richard Dwyer, I recognize another man whose irrational love for the cruiserweight division is as strong as mine. So keep it up, Richie D. To me, it's complete poppycock. All right. Um... By the way, if you're looking for more good boxing headlines, I wanted to refer you to another CBS-owned product, Rafe. Very important article. Today, on one of the Internet's best websites, BoxingScene.com. Boxing Scene, great great place to, to read a Canelo headline. It's kind of the Hooters in Campbell, California of boxing websites. So read CBSSports.com slash boxing. Honestly, it's, it's the greatest scene. place to read a Maurice Hooker headline. Yes, Hooker, indeed. Uh, Rafe, so... Do you think Usyk will get, though, the winner of uh, AJ Ruiz, or do you think it depends who wins? Because Ruiz is probably more than likely to go off and fight Wilder, right? Or but then we got Wilder Fury, too. But then Wilder's got to get through Luis Ortiz. Rafe, it's a wild. Fury's got to get through Braun Strowman. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's hard to say. I, look, the, 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 the most revealing comments regarding that whole uh, ballet uh, came from Eddie Hearn, and he, Eddie, who who promotes both Usyk and Anthony Joshua, and Hearn said, 
he believes it's most likely that uh that that Usyk who is the WBO mandatory uh will end up fighting for a vacant belt meaning that whoever wins whether it's Ruiz or Joshua will pro- they they are going to have to choose between two mandatories either Kubrat Pulev actually well, Richie Dwyer has already is already on the record saying how what what Kubrat Pulev will do to Anthony Joshua uh and it ain't pretty um but basically Hearn says that whoever wins is more likely to to take the mandatory the IBF mandatory against Pulev and then the the BO belt gets stripped uh, actually it's the WBA I'm sorry but whatever the, too many alphabets the the BA belt gets stripped Usyk, who is the mandatory, gets to fight somebody for a vacant. Possibly Joseph Parker, who pulled out of his fight with Derek Chisora that was supposed to happen this coming weekend with a spider bite. Uh, That might be because he had an idea of what could be coming down the line. But if Eddie Hearn is saying that even if AJ wins, Usyk probably ain't fighting him for all the belts, then I'm going to take that for what I'm going to take that as, as a pretty good indication that it, we're going to be looking at him challenging for a vacant. Yeah, don't forget what Dwyer said to AJ. So my advice to AJ, given that he's a big puncher who has at least a puncher's chance in every fight. Yeah. Right. My advice to him is, hey, player, don't exercise the immediate rematch clause right now. Well, he did, Rach. Okay, it'll be in the desert in December. Uh, Rafe, go to your head. We you didn't understand the, the the Saudi money on the table yeah. at the oh, time. Yeah. And I think that he would that. revise it to get that money player. Dude, first, okay, so first of all, he would. Make that money player. And he would make that in Dwyer's house, by the way. Uh, by the way, Dwyer's sporting a salt and pepper beard lately. I like that a lot. Um, Did you see the reports of the kind of Saudi money? Did Am I correct in that I've read a couple headlines that are suggesting that AJ could make upwards of 50 to 70 million, like Floyd money for this? I did. I did see uh, something in the 70s. I didn't I don't really remember it. I don't I I can't vet that source, but I I did see that number. Wow. Maybe he'll. Is you think there's any chance AJ survives, wins the rematch and then just walks away with 70 mil? Uh yeah, yeah. He never there fights is. again. Why not? Why not? You know, oh shit. Well, I, I, with that much money, you, you got to think about it. Ray, we're already on pace for a four-hour show, so why don't I just ask you, uh, where are you leaning right now? We're getting pictures of of uh... mine leans left, Brian. Wow, <laughs> that's gross. Um, he pumps it more than once. He has. I've, I've, I've unfortunately seen it. Uh, Rafe, I wanted to ask you. Uh, we've seen pictures of Ruiz in shape, in training. We're seeing in videos. Shape. Yes. Um, are you leaning in any direction right now? I don't want your prediction. We'll save that as we get closer. But are you leaning toward toward confidence in one area? Because let's not forget, guys, AJ had his worst night ever. In fact, I talked to Wilder off cam about it. And he's like, yeah, man, did you see his eyes? He was not there. He was like, I sparred that Joey DeWedgeco guy. That guy's pretty good. And even with that said, AJ still knocked Ruiz down and looked like he was going to knock him out before the wheels came off. So... What do you think about this rematch, bro? It's tough. I know it really is hard. I think that AJ will have that path to victory, that Vlad path to victory of fighting like a tall man and stinking it out a little bit, making it a slower paced fight and trying to basically win rounds, jab, play it safe. That will be there. But AJ has never had the greatest stamina. And if he slows down late in the fight and, and Andy Ruiz has trained to 
carry his power through 12 rounds, which he at least appears to be attempting to do. I don't know how, I mean, we don't know how much gas Ruiz has in a, in a in late anyway, but he could, he could do it. Then it would still be dangerous, man. It, it really is tough. I am not even leaning. I'm not leaning, but are you leaning? I am. I'm not sure. I'm really excited. It's tough, though. right? I mean, look, it's fight season in the zone right now. It's got me fired up. As the kids would say, the value on the zone is thick. In fact, it's lit. I mean, they they got that corny fight season thing though, but they're kind of right, you know. Spence has strap season, right? Right, Rafe, right. Um, zone has got uh got that. Strapping it on and going toe to toe with a foe is something most of us will never experience. <laughs> All right, Rafe, it's about time we talked about what happened this past weekend in box. Uh, I can't believe we got more than an hour into the show without saying the words, Arthur, you better believe it. He walked down, he endured, and he stopped a very good unbeaten fighter who we all know him, by the way, as his uh, original name. Alexander Grovestick. Uh, Rafe, I want to give a shout out to ESPN for booking this fight, top rank. I want to give a shout out to two. European undefeated light heavyweight champions who said in this age and era of we got to wait forever to build it up. They're like, no, I want the smoke. I want the glory. I want it all. And they went in there and made a fun ass fight. And Arthur Betterbeef improves to 15 and 0 with 15 KOs by sending Grovestick to the hospital concussion and stopping him late in this fight. Really on just a war of attrition, wearing him down, power shots, really smart boxing and adjustments. There was a lot of chess going on that was really fun to watch. It was kind of like a star was born because it wasn't as if we didn't know Arthur Betterbeef coming in, but he had been caught up in the whole political business typhoon lately. He hadn't really had that breakthrough fight despite winning a world title. And now he's got two of four belts at 175. He's got the lineal crown atop his head and it felt like this past friday in philly everybody kind of started drinking the sanka and going this guy's the future of the sport this guy's top 10 pound for pound this guy's uh, the habib i've heard people call him the habib of boxing rave this was a coming out job a, a coming what job rave what a night for uh russian boxing <laughs> what a night for Chechnya boxing. I yes. mean, shout out to Arthur Betterbeef, Rafe. He shout is out who we thought he Ramzan might be. Dude, he's a badass. Because yeah, yeah, no. I'm with get you, serious he's... for a second, Teddy. Yeah. yeah. Ready with the one-two checker. Are you serious? Are you serious? I'm, I am serious. This is game. This is not. No, wait. No, this is fight. This is not game. Brian. Yeah, he looked real good. And we knew that he looked good before, but now he proved it against the lineal champ. The guy probably, you know, it was a round robin heading into that fight between Betterbiev, Vozdik, and Dmitry Bivol as who do we really think is the best out of these guys? And Vozdik, because he had the best win over Adonis Stevenson and, and the lineal crown, probably was ranked just a little bit above on on that accomplishment but there was a you know the, we had seen enough of better bev to be to think hey this guy might actually be something completely different and that is exactly exactly what he showed us in the ring on friday night it was 
look, is it? I understand the excitement around a, a real big statement fight like that. I think it's almost I get as pumped over a fight like that as I do over a true fight of the year contender because it's something special for the sport. It really is a star is born type moment. A guy who is on the highest who really gets that fight at the highest level and has a convincing statement win at that level announces I'm here. This is me. And and he's gonna get some more opportunities to build a, a a brief but meaningful legacy. I mean, it could be sort of like a like a Sergio Martinez run at middleweight coming very late in the career, right? I mean, Better Bev turns thirty five in January, wow. so he don't have a lot of time to do this. But he didn't, he didn't look like no thirty four year old on Friday night either. Um, one thing that was underrated about Better be Evan. It always happens with guys who are really, really just brutal punchers. Like, I mean, it, it even happens with Deontay Wilder. I'll give him credit. They're all better boxers than we give them credit yes. for. Now, they aren't great boxers all the time, Deontay Wilder being that example. But Better Bev is a very high-level boxer. He's not conventional, right? I think sometimes we confuse conventional with skilled as a boxer. Well, Better Bev has skills and he has a lot of talent. His, I mean, he, he's explosive. He can, and he, and the feints he uses to, to close the distance. He didn't have that much trouble getting through Vozdik's jab and his movement and the angles and the turning. He, he, he was able to feint his way in, explode into the pocket basically, and then start landing punches. And he's rough. And he, he's a little bit dirty in a good way, right? I mean, did you see how many times did Better Be have kind of punch through the target, miss, and then come back with an elbow <laughs> that hit Vozdik like three or four times in that fight? And, and God forbid you try and tie that man up. That's when the Habib, uh, comparison might make some sense because you get tied up with that man and he's just like, like it just looks painful to, to be that close to him when he starts. <laughs> like like wriggling back and fight wrestling back with you. I'm gonna uh, well, smash your boy, guys. <laughs> um, uh, Rafe, I want to say yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You're, you're still... Yeah, it was an exciting performance, man. And I want to see. Uh, look, I hope that Bivol has already come out and said he will take. He wants that fight. Now, when you Eddie Hearn and Bob Rafe, Arum say they quick, want that fight. When you say Bivol, do you which Bivol do you mean? Radio Ryan with Demetrius Bivol. You mean? <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, boo boy, Bivol. Is that who you mean? I mean, um, what's it? Dimitri's Bivol. I mean, Dimitri Andrade is who I'm. Oh, talking okay, about. okay, okay. Dimitri Andrade. Um, yes. Um, um, you were saying that that Bivol, who fights for the zone, wants this fight. Came out and said he wants this fight. And Eddie Hearn and and Bob Arum have both said that it's possible to make that uh, next year yes. on ESPN. The same, basically, to do a reverse Ramirez Hooker or a reverse Hooker Salcedo, uh, except in the light heavyweight division. Yo, please be real. I hope, I hope, I hope for once that all of you aren't lying. Yes, uh, Rafe. I will say that I use the word coming out party because you don't know how good somebody is in boxing a lot of times until they have to be that good. And it's like, even though we'd seen him blow away the, we've seen be, better believe you blow away the husks of a Gabe Campillo and a divorce cloud. And then, you know, the, the win over unbeaten Callum Johnson was good. You still, he didn't show all these skills because he didn't have to. It was enough to walk these guys down and get him out of here. He was in a chess match against Vatsik, a, a high level 
like you said, sometimes rough and rugged, certainly a power fight at times. But he had to show so many wrinkles, make adjustments. We didn't know he had championship round stamina. We didn't Punch know. selection. I mean, the body shots that really, really started turning the fight and then taking, then starting to catch him upstairs. It was, it was a, it was a demolition job. A it beautiful was. one. And, and he really took advantage of that, this whole big brother aspect. You know, we had heard the story that there were amateur rivals that he had stopped Vodzik in the amateurs 10 years ago. And he sort of kept that swagger with him. That I'm the bigger guy. I'm not going to panic as you're outboxing me in moments. And there were rounds where I thought Vodzik was doing classier stuff, but then better beef would land a big shot. And there was a couple, was that a knockdown that wasn't a knockdown sort of moments? But I think even in those pushes and slips, you saw the bully come out and better beef in a good way. And it was like, I'm going to be here all night. You're going to have to do something special to keep me away. And that's what Vodzik was unable to do. But I got to give both guys credit, Rafe. They fought to win. This was the biggest fight of their lives, and they went after it. And it's like, man, coming into this fight, all four champions at 175 were these European badasses, the Sergei Kovalevs, the Demetrius Bivols, these two in this ring. And I love that it's sort of damn the politics. We're going to get these guys in big fights. Are you in on the hipster come out of this? I don't know if that's a term or, or a word. It's hipsters don't come. Uh, um, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of don't know where to go after that. But I don't know if you're in on where people are going with this. That this result means that we are more likely to get Canelo Triple G next year than we ever were because if Canelo beats Sergei Kovalev, he's certainly going to drop the title as opposed to try to dance with any of these uh, Arturs or Demetriuses and uh, go back down the middle, and he might look at... And look, if Canelo watched that Triple G Derevinchenko fight, which I'm sure he did, I'm sure he's more likely to come out of there with the Triple G is no longer a leader washed than even I'm willing to admit in this moment. So uh, does that mean good things for, for the zone boxing fans, Rafe? Well, it depends on what you want to see. And and look, I, I, have, I have suggested that it is more likely that, that how good Better Biev looked makes... Triple G, uh, a third Canelo Triple G fight, somewhat more likely, basically because it seems to take one avenue off the table, right? It's one less, it's, that's one fighter who you probably don't want to rush into the ring with. Now, you gotta give, you gotta give Canelo some credit over the years. Sometimes he does exactly that. He goes right after the guy you think is the worst for him and comes out with a um, questionable victory over that guy. He's done it many times, so maybe he'll do it again. Um, but it's hard to – like if you had options like Canelo will from 160 to 175, then you pro that's probably not the first guy on your list. Better be of. Now, I do think Bivol would still be on the table. I think I think that if you look back at Bivol's performance a couple weeks ago against Lenin Castillo – it was a classic Bivol whitewash against a lesser guy. And Canelo can think, look, this guy isn't that dangerous. He probably he doesn't look like he's going to knock me out. And if you don't knock me out, I'm going to do enough in that fight to get another questionable decision. Wow. And, or, or a legit one, but at least a questionable one. Um, so I don't think Bivol is off the table. And obviously bo they're both uh, with currently with the zone, although I guess Bivol has some uh, – has some free agent uh, positioning. Who the hell knows? He's been fighting on his own. I got two um, quick questions for you. Yeah. How good would the technician, Sergei Derevinchenko, do against Canelo at 160? That's question one. Your thoughts? Okay. Yeah, uh, he would lose. Uh, I think Canelo would make him, would, would beat the technician. 
but would it be one of those where I could give you a hipster 15-13 card for Sergi? What did you score the Jacobs Canelo fight? Draw. All right, well you might be able to get a draw. Out of it. <laughs> Rafe, go back and watch that fight. Jacobs did good-ish, man. Uh, no, question number two: Post Floyd Manny, is this undisputedly the Canelo era? And does a win over Sergey Kovalev like some man and stamp that? Like he's that good historically that this is his era. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? I it does make sense to me. I God, it probably does. It probably does. I I don't think that he is good. He is historically as good as Floyd or Manny, but as a fighter who has carried the sport and fought consistently the best the best competition yes. not always never won com- convincingly against the very best competition but still has fought all those guys and was clearly on that level and did enough to 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 you know to win on scorecards many times he's that good it is his era wow i love that i love that ish uh also this past weekend rafe we got a little top bloke boxing Super Bowl from Eddie Hearn and DeZone. My kind of cards, the cards that DeZone used to pay me to call. I don't know if you watched that co-main event when Ted Cheeseman seemingly got robbed in a fight against Fitzgerald, another white uh, skinhead bloke. Skinhead, yeah. Uh, but the main event is what I really cared about. My Hell boy, yes. the Sandman Lewis Ritson moves up in weight against another one of those like stereotypical Brits, Robbie Davis Jr., good boxer on the domestic level. If he steps up and comes, you know, abroad over here, probably gets sent to hell. But not only does Lewis Ritson get the close split decision win, I believe. No, no, unanimous. Unanimous. But afterwards says, I want me some winner of Regis Pro Grade, Josh Taylor. I popped, Rafe. I popped more than this sound you sent me from the broadcast of this fight. Do I have it? Yes, I do. They're both great guys. That makes three of us after watching that fight, Rafe. Uh, make it four, because I had a phoner, Brian. Oh. <laughs> round 12, good Lord, was a serious round of the year contender. I mean, they... The, the, yes. Round 12, watch it, my friend. Watch it. The combinations they were landing, The it was some wild, wild, fun, fun You're stuff. You're saying the Sandman's power has moved up to 140 with him? No, I don't think so. I mean, he he clocked <laughs> this guy a bunch of times and he didn't go nowhere. Um, it seemed, I, I think it kept it, it earned Davies, Davis Jr.'s respect and was probably, an, it made an impact in the fight. I think he had, he had better power than Davis Jr. But if he had carried it up from 135, he might have knocked the guy out or at least got a knockdown. Um, he stunned him, hurt him a couple times. So he has some meaningful power. But even though he may look like a British, Lucas Matisse, he does not have <laughs> machine-like power. How about that Sandman. crowd, though? And the uh, what do they call that area of England? The, the Newcastle uh, area? The the Jordy the Jordy Shore. The yeah. Jo- the, yeah, I mean they were the Jordies. They were for uh, Jordy Golovkin there, Gennady Jordasia. Wow, uh, was that worth? Were you so hyped that I can hit the double regasm button right now? Double it up, baby. Right hook upstairs. Edward shakes his head. As- Wow, clean up on aisle Ray Flores' uh, suit pants, Rafe, on that one. Wow. 
Wow. Yes. Dig it again. Boom. Dig it again. Dig- all right. All right. Uh, we should probably get this show back on track before we reach the four hour mark. Uh, speaking of getting yourself back on track, Rafe, you and I both survived this summer when it was swamp ass season, right? Thank you to the folks at ballsy.com. B-A-L-L-S-Y. Ballsy wants you to know, Rafe, that even though it's getting colder outside, the holiday season's coming and you still need to keep your jewels jolly by heading on over to ballsy.com rafe sampling some of that stuff that i wear daily do you know what i'm talking about rafe the ball wash the nut rub i i rub my nuts sometimes all that good stuff rafe that really keeps you cool down below so get out out there to ballsy.com and get yourself a sack pack for the holidays rafe you can tell them bc sent you all you want all right but that's what real men do uh that might be a good transit what rafe could, can i get you a sack pack would you yeah yeah hook it up i all want right. a sack I think all our pack. listeners should get involved in that as well i wore by the way to my son's flag football game yesterday a ballsy hat rafe can i show it to you right now it's a mesh trucker's hat with uh the logo do you see that a couple of uh chestnuts yes. on the on as the logo now now brian which is which uh, among the other polite soccer dads and moms of Connecticut, um, which hat gets you more weird looks, ballsy or Gypsy King? Gypsy King, a hundred percent. Because the people look at the two acorns on the ballsy hat and they don't really know which direction I'm going with that. With the Gypsy King, they they have a better sort of clue at the rhythm of my Grove Stick, Rafe. Uh- I believe that a grow stick needs a certain rhythm to his fights. Um, yeah. It's about the motion in the grow stick, Brian. Yes. Um, um, Rafe, he knows basically wanted... that you have a little bit of traveler in you. Well, you got any traveler in your in your, Rafe? I don't have that soundbite anymore, by the way. There was something I wanted to ask you about. Let's talk Jeff Horn. Okay. Um, you saw that press conference he gave in which he's going <laughs> after the stripper, Michael Zarafa, who sent him to hell via knockout. And admitted that his family, Rafe, the same people who, when they heard he was going to fight a many, a, a, a Pacquiao, came out and said this. Yeah, right, Jeffrey. Like, I don't think so. But anyway, it's good to dream, you know. But we know he fights like a tough, tough gang member, Rafe. He wants a Rafa. Can he beat him? I don't know. How, what do we? What do we make of the... Uh, the explanations that have come out of uh, Jeff Horn and Glenn Rushton that that Horn didn't make the the middleweight limit in the right way that, that he, he was stopped doing basically snacking things. on pizza and soda yes. instead of living a healthy life putting on the weight in the proper way if that's true then maybe there is some some you know some there there's some potential for him to do to perform better in a rematch but soda if not he could like liquid crack uh, <laughs> yeah, they liquid crack for the body it's junk and it's part of the obese problem that we have in the country today, which is. All right. So what, what do you think, Brian? Does, does do you believe that that Horn has some some leftover potential to 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 reach for this next fight? Uh, No, I think I think he should finish. I do. Rafe. I think this is going to be it. I think he's going to go in there. Zarafa's, you know, bigger. Sexier. Yeah. I really think this is a bad. It's bad. 
He should sell his name one more time to a bigger, bigger certain fight. Not a Gerard Fletcher, not an Alex McClintock, although you should buy his book on Kindle. Right, Rafe? Yes, you should. On the chin. Put that money on the chin and read it. That's gross. Wow. They're just jacking it from everywhere. All right, Rafe, we got to get serious here and bring in our guest of the week. November 9th on DAZN. It's a rematch. It's YouTubers Unite. It is, for the first time, without headgear, professional boxing between two stars of social media in this world, Rafe. Two top entertainment blokes. When Logan Paul meets KSI or JJ, as they call him, a second time. That's in the zone, November 9th, LA, the Staples Center. Good ass card. You got Devin Haney, you got Billy Joe Saunders on there. Let's talk about Logan Paul now. Look, I come at him, I bring it, I tell him. Boxing fans, some of them don't want this. Why should they want it? You're going to find out right now. Enjoy. Fired up to welcome in Logan Paul. CBS Sports Boxing Podcast. We're all excited for November 9th. Your pro debut, the rematch against KSI. I want to start off right off the bat here. Um, this is such big business that I've never seen the boxing hardcores, the sport as a whole, just say, yep, people care about this fight. We are embracing it. Are you feeling that same thing on your end? I am. Yeah, a lot of love from the boxing community. And, uh, I mean, I think it's great because KSI and I are going to pay the sport the respect it deserves. We're both dedicating our lives to this. And uh, it's great to be welcomed with open arms. Well, I think that's the hook right there. And I get asked a lot as a boxing journalist in sort of like mainstream settings where they say, you know, do you think this fight will, will set your sport back? This is carnival. This is circus. And the thing I say every time is watch their first fight. If you were expecting screech from saved by the bell and some form of odd celebrity boxing it wasn't that they took it hella serious um do you think you surprised people the same way you were surprised me with that 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 this wasn't going to be some kind of joke that's a good question yeah uh yeah we act we absolutely did shock the world because as you can imagine when you hear a YouTuber fight taking place. You probably think it's going to be some sort of, like you said, circus pony and horse act. Uh, but nah, we, we literally trained for five to six months straight, two times a day, every day. And we came out and looked like an actual fighter. And this fight, as you can imagine with the extra year of training I've had under my belt and quite literally being registered as a professional fighter, moving down to 10 ounce gloves. Uh, it's, it's, it, it will look no different than the professional fights that we have on the undercard. I mean, this is crazy. You got DAZN on board televising the card. You've got Eddie Hearn, the promoter, being behind it. You got guys like Devin Haney, uh, Saunders coming in on this undercard saying, I want to be a part of what's happening here. Look, Logan, you've accomplished a, a ton in your life that I'm sure, you know, is beyond the dreams you, you had as a youth. Is this just par for the course on the sort of entertainment career you've had, or, or are you actually pinching yourself at the idea that this is a quasi-pay-per-view boxing main event in 2019? <laughs> uh, the latter, man. So, unfortunately, I think uh, I fell in love with this sport in a, in a roundabout way. It's, it's, it's weird how it happened, but um, I happen to love combat sports, and so this is definitely the beginning of uh, my fight career, if you will. But as far as 
the quasi entertainer, you know, I, I my, my goal is and always has been to be the biggest entertainer in the world. And that doesn't just mean being a YouTuber. It doesn't just mean being an actor or uh, a producer, director, or writer. I think if I can add a, the vertical of fighter, boxer, uh, MMA star to that, that, that has a nice little touch that I'm not sure if that can be imitated or replicated in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure, uh, you know, any boxing fan hearing this, trying to make the decision, is this guy for real? Does he love the sport? Like, they'll want to know, where does your fandom come from? How far back do you go? Who are the fighters you watched growing up? So I, I, I'm more of an MMA fan. Uh, I can tell you all about MMA. Boxing is like I've just been thrown into this world probably last year or so. And so watching some of the fights, Anthony uh, Ruiz, uh, Fury Wilder, uh, a lot of Canelo, uh, cause he's with, he's partnered with the zone as well. My boy Ryan Garcia. Uh, but I'm, if I'm being honest with you, my ultimate goal is to secure a fight in the UFC. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's big news. Have you, being the level of celebrity that you are, have you ever spoken to Dana White and sort of planted that seed? Nah, we're kind of playing phone tag a little bit. Our management teams have spoken. I've never spoken with him personally. Um, at first, he was completely shut off to the idea. I think he made a comment like, if he lets me fight in the UFC, he should be put in jail. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of contested him a little bit, and he saw the first fight, and I think he can tell uh, that I'm a fighter. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I was uh, the best wrestler in the state of Ohio. Uh, and so when I got thrown into boxing, it's like I had to drop the thing that I was trained to do my whole life, which is my ground game and so i'm sort of bred if, again if i'm to be a 360 degree fighter and boxing i've just gotten i've literally just locked into the idea of oh, i'm finally comfortable in the ring uh not using my wrestling background absolutely now uh as you know being a fight fan whether it's uh MMA, boxing, when you're promoting a fight, there, there's some of those crossover sort of pro wrestling elements. There, Everyone loves the idea, even in boxing, of one guy being the good guy, one guy being the bad guy. I think when people hear the name Logan Paul, if they don't subscribe to your YouTube channel, if they don't follow you and they only know you from headlines, they may assume you're the bad guy and the villain in this. Does that matter to you? Are you, are you happily playing the villain role in this rivalry? <laughs> um... It's it's funny you say that because you're absolutely right. There's a uh, there's a definitely a perception of Logan Paul when you hear the name. Uh, if you aren't subscribed or familiar with any of my content, I definitely play the role of the villain online. Except in this fight, I think it's also safe to say that KSI is also a villain. This is <laughs> this is a this is not a hero and a villain story. I believe anyway. I think it's too larger than life. <laughs> villains with egos growing out of their body and you know it's going to be a, a, a day of reckoning on november 9th can you give us the backstory and origin here of your relationship with ksi and how the idea sort of started that you know let's settle a beef inside an actual boxing ring there is no relationship i don't like the kid he uh he called me he he won a boxing fight that he had an amateur boxing fight with another youtuber in the UK and he called out my brother and I and I took the fight and then just hopped into this boxing realm and 
last year during the press conferences and all the back and forth, the smack talk. He got a little too personal about my uh, my friends, my girlfriend, my family, uh, parts of my life that were vulnerable that I we had agreed off record or to keep off record. And he just crossed the line. So then I, it became very personal for me. And now I, I want to hurt the kid. Wow. Wow. That's getting me a little bit fired up. Now, when you go back to that first fight you had with headgear, but it was in the UK, sold out arena, did big time pay-per-view numbers at, at a really nice price, I might add. Got a lot of people interested in it. Uh, it ends up being a draw and it was really competitive and there were you know, like we mentioned, the respect of the of the craft. There was defense. There was counter punches. There was all that stuff. Uh, when you look back on that, who who won that fight in your eyes? And and were you impressed at all at, at what KSI ultimately brought to the table as a boxer? So, so I may I might be biased when I say this, but something tells me that I won the fight for too. <laughs> I'll take that to the grave. I believe I won the fight. I think uh, since it was in Manchester, he had a home field advantage. Um, but, yeah, I, I believe I won the fight. It, it, we just happened to both get our hands raised. As far as uh, KSI's ability as a boxer, it's subpar. I was unimpressed. I will tell you I was impressed with his ability to become an animal. And he was he, at the end of the second round, it was clear he was a dog who was backed up in a corner. And the man fought his way out. So I got to respect that. And we know that going into this fight, except unfortunately, he's not going to make it past the second round. How do you think this fight may look different from the first fight uh, stylistically in terms of the amount of action, uh, you know, considering the headgear will be off this time and any, you know, lessons you learned stylistically from how the first fight played out? Yeah. If long story short, short, you're going to see a professional boxer knock out a YouTuber. And that's, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be the best way to summarize it. I have Shannon Briggs as my coach. He's the heavyweight with the most first round knockouts in history. And I look, feel and act like a professional boxer. I'm sparring pros in my camp and I'm f***ing them up. KSI has not been training like I have for the past year after our last fight. He went on a he went on a music tour. He's dilly dallying around. He's making videos with his crew, and I'm taking this seriously because this is the most important event in my life. And why would I not treat it like that? So yeah, you're gonna see a you're gonna see a professional fighter knock out a YouTuber. You mentioned the most important event of your life. What's at stake for you personally in this fight? Everything. I mean, I think it's very clear that I, I don't. I don't like to lose. I, I have a, a track record of wins in my life, which equates to most of my success. When I take L's, it eats me. It eats me alive. And we both have extremely large egos. None of us want to be turned into a meme. So we're both putting everything we have into this fight. I'm sure you are uh, you know it's clear you're a competitive person and you're bringing that into here uh i'm sure you're competitive from the idea of numbers and fans and subscribers and all that uh who will have the the crowd in its favor worldwide in this rematch uh that's a good question i if i'm being honest i i want to say 
50-50. I think it'll be split pretty even. Um, the, the kid has a lot of fans. I have a lot of fans. A lot of people want to see him win. A lot of people want to see me win. But at the Staples Center, I'm confident in saying that the majority of the fans will be cheering for Team Maverick. Um, I got to ask you about confidence and butterflies in the moment. I mean, look, you're you're an entertainer who's who's proven you can draw an audience. You can get people to care about what you're doing, whether you're acting or you're vlogging and all that. But when you w- made the walk, as they call it, from the locker room in Manchester to the boxing ring, and you'll do the same in the Staples Center on November 9th. Uh, you proved you were big enough for that moment. But what's that moment really like? Did it surprise you at all? How friggin' scary was it walking into an actual fight with thousands of people watching? Great question. Uh, it did surprise me because it, I was stunned at how calm and confident I was. I thought the same thing that you just thought. I thought that I would walk into the ring with some sort of anxiety, nerves. Maybe I'd freeze up in front of the crowd. My first ever boxing fight in front of 15,000 people, which, by the way, is f***ing insane. Who does that? <laughs> Who's first ever? Not not even not even like first pro fight. My first amateur fight in front of 15,000 people. But I was so confident in my preparation and my ability that I surrendered to the moment and let life happen the way it happened and I mean this fight is the same way I've just been through so much shit in my life where it's it's hard to affect me anymore uh we we touched briefly on the idea that this is a pro fight so no headgear the real gloves the commissions uh the doctors all that stuff is there legit professional drug testing in this fight as well and is that something that you were concerned at all about uh, yeah, there was a, we did a drug test, I think a month ago. I'm hoping there's going to be another one before the fight. So I guess that answers your question of concern. No, I'm absolutely not concerned. I've never done a steroid in my life. Um, and I, like, I, I, I make jokes about it because I'm not the guy to do drugs to make myself stronger. I can do that through my preparation and my hard work. I will say though, looking back at, uh, KSI's first fight against uh, this Joe Miller, and even my last fight, I had a a weird hunch that he was on some sort of steroid because if you look at the man now, it looks like he's struggling to get in shape. He's 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 thick. He's moving slow, and it's nowhere near the 185 pound KSI that we saw with Joe Weller, who had a six pack and and you know broad shoulders and. I'm wondering where that kid went, and I, I the back of my mind keeps telling me that he was on he was on some sort of uh, performance enhancing drug. Wow, wow. Um, I've seen the some of the back and forth between you two, and certainly that press conference in Los Angeles was uh, was my kind of carny shit, if you will. That was my kind of gas station food type of stuff. Can't avoid it. Need it in my life. <laughs> Love it. Uh, do you respect his trash talk game? Do you think you got in his head? In that in that setting, <laughs> no, I don't respect his trash talk game. Fuck, dude! Like last year, last year he brought the smoke. This year, for lack of better verbiage, I'm shitting on him. I'm embarrassing him in front of everyone because I'm I'm more confident and I have I have nothing 
I have nothing to fear. Last year, I, la- I lacked my ability as a as as a boxer the way I would have liked. And this year, it's just I'm I'm here to have fun, and that's what I'm doing in the press conferences. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, did you get any backlash? Because you know, I I played some of the highlights uh, on some of the video podcast and in fight recap shows I did, and we had fun with it. There was some hand gestures, if you will, that suggested uh, genitalia pulling and the size. Uh, I believe Mrs. Paul commented on the size of KSI's member. Uh, Look, this is the fight game. Anything goes. But you're also with your with your star brand broadcasting to a crossover audience. Did you get any negative backlash from that? <laughs> what a great question. <laughs> yeah, no. So KSI's come out publicly and said that he has no dick. So I figured I'd I'd uh, dig a little bit there. And uh, as far as backlash goes, I mean. What fucking backlash am I gonna get? I'm I'm training to to kill a man in a twenty by twenty foot square. I like I don't know. We clearly we've thrown any sort of civil rules out the window. So yeah, no backlash thus far. Now look, you mentioned you want to be the biggest entertainer in the world. You mentioned your legitimate intentions of the idea of a UFC fight. I know you got a background in amateur wrestling that's strong, in high school football that was strong. So you're certainly a good athlete. Do you think that you're a good enough boxer that this isn't just celebrity boxing, that this may be something you keep in your back pocket and stay and stay consistent with this sport? If you can go out there on this stage on November 9th, get a win over KSI, are we going to see you again in the boxing ring? You absolutely will. Will not be my last time in the boxing ring. I want to develop a very healthy, healthy professional record. If you ask, then he'll tell you I'm going to be a future heavyweight champ of the world. And if I, and by the way, if I want to put my finger down on that and go for it, I guarantee I could do it. I just have to decide whether or not I want to dedicate my life to more as dangerous as boxing. Well, there are certainly going to be naysayers listening to this boxing hardcore that'll go, okay, that's cool, Logan. You can be the YouTube champion of the world. But are you talking about fighting based on your reference of knocking out sp- legitimate professionals and sparring? You're talking about actually maybe an idea of making a run at a world title? Is this what I'm getting? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I've, I've, I've said all I believe anyone can do anything they set their mind to. And just, I mean, me, historically, I've proven that to be true time and time again with my crossover between platforms, athletics, academics, everything. I don't think, I don't think it's uh, far-fetched to, to, for me to say that if I, again, if I decided to put my foot down and go for it. Have you had any talks with the zone up to this point of, hey, if this thing is a, is a blockbuster, you know, let's do it again soon. Let's make this a thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The zone are my people. I love them. I hope the energy is reciprocated. I'm I'm honored and blessed to be on their platform. I'm a, I'm a DAZN fan. Been watching it for a while now, and uh, so I think I think there's definitely going to be a healthy relationship between me and DAZN in the future. All right, you mentioned Ryan Garcia. We're going to see him, of course, on the Canelo Alvarez Sergey Kovalev undercard a week before your fight when DAZN puts that fight on in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm a big fan of Rye Guy. We talked to him on this show multiple times, and uh, he's got a you know, somewhat similar thing with you where you guys have built audiences outside of boxing 
that you're able to bring into the sport. And I have, you know, like I joke around with Ryan Garcia. I say, dude, what's going on in them DMs? It's got to be out of control. Uh, can we compare the DMs of Ryan Garcia <laughs> to Logan Paul? I mean, what the heck's going on in there? <laughs> A lot of blue checks, man. A lot of blue checks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's safe that we leave it there. Um, I didn't. Uh, it's all fun and games, but it's a serious sport. And you, you did touch on that for a second. And look, we're a week removed. You know, not even a week removed from a a, a fighter on DAZN, um, You know, on an undercard getting knocked out and being in, in in some rough shape right now as we record this. And we've had two deaths in the ring in boxing in this calendar year alone that were very prominent. How much is that on your mind? Because you know, you didn't grow up. In a, in, a, in a gym boxing where it's just part of your life. You're coming into this uh, in, in sort of a way that any of us can go walk into a gym and pick this up late in life. How much of the, the, the reality of this sport in 2019 is a concern for you? A lot. A lot of it. That's why I'm, I'm saying I have to decide whether or not I want to dedicate my life to a sport as dangerous as boxing. Uh, who knows? Uh... You know, I have a lot of things going for me. I could walk down a lot of paths. Got a strong team around me, and so it's definitely, it's definitely something that uh, I'm conscious of before before we go down a road where I can't come back from because I have some sort of brain damage. But fortunately, in this fight, I'm more skilled than my opponent. I'm faster than my opponent. I'm smarter than my opponent, and so in no way, shape, or form am I going to be the one having to worry about the repercussions uh, health-wise for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely serious stuff there. Uh, you got a lot of balls for doing this as a professional. Uh, but I also read that you told Jimmy Kimmel that uh, you may not have as many balls as we think. What's going on here? You, did you lose 15% of the <laughs> testicle? What's happening here? Yeah, man, I, I lost 15% of my testicle when I was uh, – 19 a tragic incident shooting a video um yeah just just a damn shame eh wow is that a, like a removal in surgery i mean that's that can't be pretty uh i mean you can't tell now but um three inch hematoma and what happened was basically 15 percent of my uh testicles died is the verbiage they used, and so they had to shave it off oh without getting God. too graphic. It's uh, yeah, it wasn't great, man. I think a part of me just died hearing that. Um, if you can put on your salesman cap here, all right, <laughs> November November ninth, Los Angeles, live on the zone. The main event is Logan Paul KSI two, but this time as professionals, how can you sell this fight to hardcore boxing fans that are like Logan who? that this is going to be a great night of not just entertainment, but a real-ass fight. <laughs> Imagine two villains with the biggest egos in the world going head-to-head -head where their first match was a tie. This is the, this is the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 2. This is that fight. We're going to go ham and cheese. And I'm going to hurt this man badly. It's going to be f***ing biblical. Wow. Wow. I'm sold. I am sold. Logan Paul, thank you, sir, for your time, 
you got you, you got me. You got me fired up to see how this ends November 9th, the rematch KSI Part 2. Stay healthy, stay in the gym. Tell Shannon Briggs we said, let's go, champ. Best of luck to you, sir. All right, special thanks to DeZone and Logan Paul for making that interview happen. Rafe, I was given the time there to really go after it. Logan Paul's a confident individual who says, not only am I going to knock out JJ KSI in this rematch, not only is my goal to get a fight in the UFC, but I'm on my way to becoming, what do you say, the most important, the, the biggest entertainer in, in, in the history of the world? Uh, what is your woke level to who Logan Paul is at this point? And then let me double that and say, what is your care level? I know who this guy is. Like, I don't watch his videos, but I remember him, you know, him getting in trouble for going to Japan and making jokes about people who have committed suicide in, 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 in a noted suicide force on, on video. That is probably what he's best known for. He's got a lot of fans. Uh, and this is a fight I don't care, don't really care about. It'll be a fun circus, perhaps. Great. Did you like his no sell? He said he was friends with Ryan Garcia. I asked whose DMs are a little bit, you know, busier, sloppier. He sort of no sold that, which is, you know, not endearing him to this community. But I mentioned to him that he's got a lot of balls for taking this fight, Rafe, but not as many balls Why? as we think. <laughs> because did you hear that whole breakdown when he went on the Jimmy Kimmel show and talked about having 15% of his right testicle removed after a stunt went wrong? That's terrible. That sounds disgusting. I never heard that. That, right. uh, that that's 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 what an idiot he is. Oh wow. Okay. This is not cool. This is not what the public and the market audience want to see. Well, Eddie Hearn, they do want to see this fight. Rafe, I do have to say this about him. I said it in the interview. They respected Box in their fight last year. How so? They didn't come out and fight screech celebrity boxing style. They went out and 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 were professionals. And he said there's drug testing in this fight. And you heard him say, Rafe. Like, he's going to come out here and win by knockout, but all the deaths in the ring lately and all the scares of this sport, he doesn't think he wants to do this forever, even though Shannon Briggs... That's what convinced him? Shannon Briggs in his, in his, is his trainer, and he says he's knocking out professionals in sparring. And Rafe, to his credit, he's a former elite... Wrestler. Amateur wrestler and, and, and high school football linebacker. Um, would you care beyond this fight? Would you get into the idea? Or do you need to see the, the the pudding? Do you need to see the proof in the pudding, as as Floyd would say? Yeah, sure. If there is any proof in that pudding, I, it would be. I guess he should start proving it. Do you think that Logan Paul is the test man, the test maker against KSI? Are you? Do you have any care? What kind of test? What kind of test? It's, it, it, it's two guys who've never fought a professional fight before. All right. What do we? Who never? Who never fought amateur before? I'll say there's this, nothing. Rafe. That, there's no test. There's no track record. There's there's no baseline. The, is the guy a dirtbag if we only read his headlines? Yes. Do I know him personally? No. Kind of charmed me in this interview, though. He was entertaining. That's good. Look, look I, I don't care. It's not really a big deal. I'm not upset about this. I, I, It's just sort of, it is what it is. I hope they have fun. It's something you can do when you're famous. We're, we, I like Manny Pacquiao in a lot of ways, and, and he is also a singer and a basketball player and a basketball coach when he wants to be. This is, per, fame gets you perks, and, and his own thinks they can make money off of this so they probably can it's smart business for everyone go get that money player all right we asked shannon briggs his coach for advice i'm talking to this man like i'm talking to this man <laughs> i'm sorry champ he's probably watching yeah. so you can talk to him like that. Yeah. he's gonna need a couple more of them pies indeed 
All right, Rafe, we got a lot to get into. Oh, one more thing this past weekend on that um, Philly Better Beef undercard. Did you see that top-ranked prospect? He's a lightweight. He's 14-0 with 12 KOs. Joseph Adorno. He's got a brother who also fought on the card, but Joseph's known as Blessed Hands. Did you see that second-round stoppage of Damian Sosa when he left Sosa draped over the ropes like Rey Mysterio setting up a 619 in WWE? Did you see that highlight? It's getting a lot of attention, Rafe. I did not see that highlight, but uh, it sounds like quite a, a knockout in a, in, a, in a prospect fight. All right. Hey, Rafe, it's time to find out this weekend. Do you care? Are you ready, Rafe? I was born ready. Okay. The first stop this week's box tour is Thursday night, New York City, UFC Fight Pass. Does this have Lou DiBella written all over it? Main event, Mike Quan Williams, junior welterweights, 10 rounds against Trey Sean Wiggins. Do you care? No. Um, speaking of UFC Fight Pass, you know what, Rafe? Hmm. I watched that Chad Dawson, uh, uh, what's that dude's name? Uh, 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 uh Grachev. Gra- fight, which yeah. was in Hartford at the convention center. I didn't go to the fight, but I was on the same flight with Grachev coming mm-hmm. home from Jamaica, connecting from Charlotte to Hartford. He walks on, he's bald, he's Drago's son as the nickname, and I'm going, that's freaking Grachev. What's his first name again? Dennis. Dennis Grachev. Yeah, because you remember, he gave Lucien Butte hell. That was the first time I learned about him. Gave Butte hell. He also, uh. He you're not, you're not, you're not one of the old, original, the OG heads who remember him upsetting, uh, Ismail Silach. Sent him on to hell. Friday night fights. He also, uh, was a part of that, remember that, that, uh, Monte Carlo tournament on a Triple G undercard? When he fought, uh, yes. uh he lost to maybe, maybe, uh, La Bamba, Edwin Rodriguez, maybe. Sounds about. I remember him on that, but I do not remember the All fight. All right, Chad Dawson wins a decision here, but uh, in baggage claim, I go up to Grachev and I go, "Dennis Grachev beat Dawson, bro!" And he looks at me and he goes, "Easy money," and then like creepily walks away. Uh, it wasn't easy money. He lost somewhat of a hapless, lifeless decision. Um, by the way, Chad Dawson going into the Connecticut Boxing Hall of Fame on November 9th, Rafe. Guess who? will be the uh, co-MC that night. I'm guessing it's you. Yeah, you're damn right, all right? Chad, by the way, even though he's going into the Hall of Fame, still wants uh, big names at 175. So uh, I don't know. I want guys too, Chad. All right. Uh, why did I bring that up? I don't know. Oh, I watched UFC Fight Pass. I-, I like that UFC Fight Pass is picking up these cards that we normally don't care about, but sometimes we see somebody on one of these cards. Go, okay, I'll check that out. Just go over to UFC Fight Pass, right? Check it out, all right? It's good. When is it? it? It's October what twentieth, twenty one. What are you talking about? Twenty one. I just I, we didn't. Wasn't Dana White supposed to unveil his yes. boxing takeover in the month of October? Happened. Has not happened yet. Thursday night, Rafe, Indio, California, RingTV.com. Yes, one of those Golden Boy deals. It's a title fight in the main event. Edwin Elwin Soto will defend his WBO Junior Flyweight title against Edward Eno. Do you care, Rafe? Yeah, I care a little bit. I mean, Elwin Soto's last fight, even though it had that uh, disappointing short ending in the 12th round, was kind of stopped a little prematurely uh, against Angela Costa. That was a fun fight. Soto's a fun fighter. These Man, the, the, the lower weight classes, you're always, almost always going to get a good show. Uh, I care. Okay, I never heard of that, man, but you are, you are, you're not, you're one of the boxing hardcores, Rafe, right? You know what the what is what does Dwyer say? You follow up. You're not regular fans, right? That's a, that's a Dwyerism. You are the boxing hardcore. You're not regular fans. You're fans who keep 
track of the sport week to week. Some of the names I've mentioned, I'm guessing many of you have never heard of. They don't quite ring a bell. <laughs> All right, Rafe. Thursday night, no TV, but it's in Panama City, Panama. Anselmo Moreno is back, Rafe. Ten rounds, featherweights against Marco Cardenas. Remember when he fought Avner Morris? We cared when he moved up in weight. That was a fun little Showtime deal there. We did care. We did care. I don't care now. All right. Friday, DAZN, Milan, Italy, part of Eddie Hearn's Italian deal, which has yet to really make us care. Si, si. Main event is Danielle Scardinia versus Ilias Ashergi, 10-round super middleweights, and I'm not sure whether these are male or females, Rafe. Your thoughts? I, I, I'm going to guess they're, uh, they are, uh, I mean, Danielle, gender, gender is a social construct, Brian, but anyway, I don't care. If you're da if your first name is Daniel with an E on the end, that could be male or female in Italy, right? I think it's just the male, the Italian Daniel. Why are we doing Dan <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Jacobs? We're lingering here because the co-main I almost care about, Ken Patera is back, fresh off of that win over Lewis Ritson, Francesco Patera will defend his European lightweight title against Domenico Valentino, Rafe. If he wins, Brian, will he call Ritson out and he say, should. no, no, we got you. Come finish this business yep. before you get in the I ring with the winner of Regis Prograte and Josh Taylor. Eddie Hearn told me that Ritson can't make 35 anymore. That's what he told me, but we'll, we'll you know, we will see that. Patera should go up to 140 and give him that work. Uh, Friday in Mexico City on Telemundo, if you have that on your package in Detroit, Rafe. Mauricio Pintor versus John Carl Sosa, welterweights. I only watch Walter Waits, Brian. Hey, you know what I did the other day on DAZN? Because they have the fight archive, because Golden Boy promoted a lot of these giant paper. Do they? Because recently, when I've been looking on DAZN's archive, you can't find fights that happened the yes, previous week. That is true. They're taking stuff off like crazy. What is going What are we paying for at this you point? You want to hear BC's call of Bellu Usyk? It's hard to find unless Usyk's Oh, got man, a fight is it up. there? It, it I is. love, oh, I, I was looking for that. I wanted to use the sound in a story I was writing. The double kebab. Yeah, that was your boy BC. That was the greatest I know it was my you. broadcasting career. I mean, I know you don't watch most of my shows, but that was one you saw. Um, Why are we in this convo? Oh, because I went back and watched all the Floyd pay-per-view fights, but not the fights, just the post-fight interview, because a lot of times, even though this is taking the Golden Boy International feed, which is normally Colonel Blob or uh, or, or Dave... Um, What's the guy's name? I did the... Uh, Ready? No. No. Dave, uh, you know the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's called Every Fight Ever. Great guy. Great guy. What the hell's the guy's name? I, I, I The bald guy, right? Murata. Rich Murata? No, no. The other guy. The other white guy. The old guy. You know, Dave. Dave. It's Dave. All right? Dave, Dave's not okay. here. Who is it? It's Dave? It's me, Dave. Open up. I got the stuff. Who is it? Uh, I'm sorry, Dave. What the hell's the guy's name? Dave? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know these broadcasters. I, I don't watch the Golden Boy feed. Oh, God. What a horrible story. Um, I will get it by the end of this. Uh, who cares? Let's move on. Um, Dave, I love you. Love you, Dave. Okay. Uh, at the end, though, they throw to Larry's interviews. Rafe? Larry Merchant. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Because they only get the, the, the HBO interview. Yes. And Floyd says Walter Waits every single time and we never picked up on this i'm a natural walter weight crawford isn't spence is a natural walter weight floyd was dropping walter weights well before anyone else rafe okay 
There's a reason why he is TBE, Brian. All right. Friday night, Reno, Nevada, Rafe, UFC Fight Pass, Kendo Castaneda versus Stan Martinuak, eight rounds, junior welterweights. Do you care? Yet. Uh, Friday in Chunburi, Thailand, Wanhang Menyothin will defend his WBC straw title against Simpiwi Konko. Oh, not Vetyeka. That's my my main yes. Simpiwi yes. is uh, Simpiwi Vetyeka. But no. yeah, I don't care. Okay, okay. Uh, Rafe, let's get into things we might care about. It's Saturday in Reno, Nevada. It's on the plus ESPN plus top rank. Evan Korn, the corner man, will probably be there in attendance. Right, right. Making cop jokes on Twitter, right? Um, it's a fight I'm gonna watch and care about. It's for the vacant WBO featherweight title in the main event. Unbeaten Shakur Stevenson, Rafe. No, this ain't in a parking garage against Joette Gonzalez. I like this piece of business, Rafe. Shakur stepping up to that next level. What's your care level? Hell yes, I care. I mean, like you said, it's a bit of a step up fight. Both undefeated guys. Joette is a real prospect, not as celebrated as Shakur Stevenson, but still a, a fighter who people believe has a, a, a meaningful future in the sport. So let's see it. Let's see. And, of course, all of the bad blood with the Shakur Stevenson being in some sort of relationship with Joette's yeah, wait, sister. Wait, what the hell? I am so late to the party on this, and I barely, barely know what's going on, but... I beat Polly. I left with his belt and his girl. Rafe, somebody got laid. Can you tell me the story? I don't know who got laid, but, you know, Joette Gonzalez and his sister are both boxers. They fought amateurs. They were involved in the USA Boxing National Program, as was, of course, Shakur Stevenson, former silver medalist for the USA at the Olympics. Uh, so they, they go back. They have history. And, and if you look, I mean, I hate to say that I've actually crept on this young woman's Twitter, but I have. And she does. She talks about how close she is with Shakur and all this stuff on there. It's weird stuff to read. I don't really want to be this far behind the curtain, but it does spice up the fight. Plus, Joette's dad is his trainer. So there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Is he going to be in the corner being like, yo, you better beat this. So he doesn't get away from our from your from my daughter, man. I don't know. Uh, bang Joette. And then I no 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 no. How dare you? <laughs> no, only no no. AB definitely would go there in the post fight interview. Yes, it is Danny's night. Uh, who has the brightest upside of all the current big name prospects? Shakur, Teofimo, Devin Haney, Lewis Ritson. Right, we're talking about the pillars of boxing future. I- I'm sorry. We all want to say Devin Haney, probably, but Shakur yeah. Stevenson's right there, Rafe. No, Haney by a mile, Chief. Okay, okay, you said it. You're going to have to deal with Evan Corn in your DMs. Sorry, Rafe. Uh, co-main event, Josh Greer, the dude with the pillow, right? What's his nickname? Nick Night Night, Mr. Can, something like, yes, uh, he got like six different nicknames. Let's go with Night Night. Uh, Ten-round bantamweight bout against Antonio Nieves. I care. I care. That last fight with him was fun. It was kind of, he was dealing with a, a, a rough and rugged guy who gave him some trouble and he had to work to, to get that knockout. Um, yeah, good for, let's, let, let's keep the Greer train rolling. Joshua Greer Jr. He's, uh, don't blink is one of his nicknames as well. Okay. Isn't he Mr. I got your girl or something like that? Uh, it's, uh, Mr. Can Do or something. I don't know. Some, Mr. HBO. No. Mr. Oh, no, Brown. Mr. ESPN. 
Mr. Plus. Uh, yeah. Uh, Michaela Mayer is back, Rafe, against Alejandro. Does boxing have a the Glimmer Man? Is that Wesley Snipes? No, oh, are that's you kidding? Seagal. Yes, that's Seagal. Man. Yes, yes, that is Seagal. Wow, I could lay awake just to hear him breathing, Rafe. Um, Michaela Mayer. Remember that time she was on our pod and you didn't care at all, and she was like, "When I was younger, I did bad things," and then I asked her what those bad things were, and you were like, "That's kind of a creepy old guy question." Remember that? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty creepy. All right, she's going to have a 10-round female junior lightweight bout against Alejandra Soledad Zamora. Rafe, can Michaela Mayer one day beat... Who's that chick on the zone? Amanda Serrano? No. Oh, no, Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor. I mean, that's that's what we're that's what we're doing here, right? Uh, there is nothing to indicate that she can, okay. right? I mean, okay. with the... I guess she was an Olympian, um, but... Katie Taylor was a gold medalist and she looks pretty good. Um, and she's in real fights. Michaela, we, look, we just, we don't know. I don't want to be too dismissive. I should yeah, not be, be too dismissive. Michaela Mailer is still sort of building up in her pro career. She's still getting what are basically has been, have been what look like showcase fights in the ring. I remember before the Tyson Fury, uh, Schwaz fight when she was on that deep undercard, you know, she's Beating the heck out of some some girl, some Thailand girl. I don't know. All right, what if she um, fought Delphine Pursun? Because Pursun gets up in up in your DMs. I mean, she she get she get up in that A. You know what I'm saying? I I'm not calling for that kind of hell yet for <laughs> Michaela Mayer. But if she did and outboxed Pursun convincingly, well, shoot, that would be a statement win. That would be a yo, Katie Taylor. I'm coming to take your lunch. And you know, I got horny, okay? <laughs> did you forget you were fighting? I forget, or did man. you just love your dad so much? Man, I'm both. <laughs> that com- kind of complete non sequitur, Brian. I have no clue what that could possibly mean at this moment. Okay. So I stroke it, and I cut it, and I massage it. Yeah, I love it. I love my little naughty pet. You're naughty. Rafe, you're so naughty. All right, Rafe. Um, here's what we really care about. This loaded DAZN card, London, England. Rafe, is this going to be an afternoon job? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't mind having an afternoon job. It probably will be. Because I, I know that there's a UFC in the morning from Singapore, which you won't care about. But uh, if this is an afternoon gig, this is interesting. It probably would look. They're not going to have this huge event in the UK and then make the people paying in London arrive at three in the morning to watch uh, this fight. So yeah, it's going to be an afternoon job for us. All right, it is the final of the 140 bracket in the WBSS World Boxing Super Series, and it is a junior welterweight unification bout when Regis Rugaru Progre takes on Josh Taylor Rafe. Thank you, DAZN. Thank you, Richard Schaefer. Thank you, Callie Sauerland. Is Richard Schaefer even involved in the WBSS anymore, Rafe? I don't know. We may have a new Richard Schaefer. And his I name think is, only when Nonito fights. And his name is Callie Sauerland. Thank you to everyone for making this happen. Rafe, will the winner of this fight be the best fighter in the world at 140 pounds? Well, he'll have a claim on it. I think, personally, I will consider this the winner of this to be a favorite over jose ramirez in a potential for all the marbles undisputed unified welter junior welterweight championship match but because because the sandman's got to go back through ken patera to be in this conversation is really what you're saying look the sandman uh he was he looked a lot better on saturday 
against Robbie Davis Jr. He looked like he, uh, he, he, you know, some of the the weight drained issues and all that stuff were weren't bothering him as much. He was active. He looked like a decent fighter. But no, he ain't on this level, and he will say it. But he he still wants that fight because it's a big fight. Uh, but let's be serious. Uh, yeah, I th- the winner of this, I will think, is the best in the world at 140 pounds. There will be people, and there was a, there will be a strong argument that Jose Ramirez also will deserve that ranking. But for me, these guys are the ones who, to use sort of Max Kellerminian terms, pop. They look special in a way. They look different to borrow the Kellermanism. They are different fighters. And the one who comes out of this is the guy who I think is the the one with the real special pound-for-pound type potential. I love this fight because it's a great style matchup. There's so much at stake. There are two guys that are just waiting to burst and not only be the guy at 140, but really – Make a, you know, make a statement that they're sort of future players overall in this sport. And we know Regis Progray, we've had him on the show. He's talked such a big game in a great way, you know, whereas he wants to wrap things up at 140, be Jose Ramirez after this, and then go to 47, then chase Bud, then do big boy things. Um, this is a, a tough step on that journey because it's easy to want to write off Josh Taylor as another one of these UK blokes, Rafe. Do great over there. But step up and come over to our side and get sent to hell. But he keeps impressing me every step of the way, including when they did the their own BBC British Board of uh, Boxing Care version of PBC Face to Face, Rafe, which 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 they did, by the way, well before my Fox iteration. Um, and Josh Taylor was a badass in that, Rafe, trying to tell Regis Progray that he's secretly scared, all this stuff. I am so jacked for this fight, Rafe, so jacked. On paper, though, I haven't seen the odds. On paper, who do you think has the edge? Oh, it really is tough because when you compare them and you're talking about which, especially when you're talking about the special qualities, the things that make a guy just different, Progre has more of them. He's the guy who jumps off the screen. Taylor is a lot more proven. He's been in hard fights. He's been in fights where he wasn't. I don't even think Taylor, I, I have to go back, but I don't know if he, I, I think he may have not been favored against O'Hara Davis when they fought. And that certainly O'Hara was the fighter who had more hype over here. Maybe it was just, you know, hype and, and everybody in the UK understood that. I didn't though. So when he won so convincingly, it was like, oh shoot, yeah. This is something. And then he kept winning. He knocked out Miguel Vasquez, sent him back to McDonald's. Uh, and then when, I mean, one tough Martin. fights. He took the chip away from blue chip Ryan Martin. That, I guess, yes. But more importantly, beat Victor Postal, came back on, on his scorecards, even though it was in his hometown of Glasgow, and uh, ended up being a wider score than he than probably deserved. But the way that he came back, got a late knockdown and finished strong in that we've he's that fights like that fights like the Baranchik fight in the WBSS semifinals. Yes. But Baranchik is a you don't want to deal with that guy. We've seen what he's done to lower level or non elite fighters. We saw it recently when he he sent Gabriel Bracero right back into semi retirement very quickly. That guy's his nickname is the Beast. He fights like one. 
And Taylor handled him. He won that fight. It was competitive, but Taylor handled him. Taylor is a real, real talent. He's tall, really mean left hooks, goes to the body up and down. I mean, he's wiry. Pay- he's 5'10 for a 140 rate, 15 and 0, 12 KOs, 28. But the Tartan Tornado, with all due respect, has not fought somebody with the pressure and power of Regis Progress. Of course, but if you want to compare resumes, Taylor's is like miles ahead of Progres, right? Yeah, Taylor's got three or four or five good wins that we that we know and respect. When you look at Progres, though, and I'm currently trying to, but my Wi-Fi speed rate's not. Well, here I'll tell you, Brian. He's got the win over Julius Indongo. Uh, it's hard to gauge that because. Indongo had the, the crazy flash one one yes. one punch knockout win over Troy Anowski to win the belt, then immediately came over to get sent to hell by Terrence Crawford, and then Progray sent him right back sent him Dude. deeper into hell. We don't know Progress what he had to wins, begin though. with. He we stopped, don't know what's it? He stopped Carol Relic. He wanted the decision over Teddy Flanagan. He took Indongo's dong. He beat jo- Jojo Diaz Jr. when he was unbeaten and stopped him. What? Who are you talking about, Jojo oh, Diaz? Oh, sorry, Jr. Joel Diaz Jr. Is not the same one as Jojo. No, that's the other guy. That's that's Joel, D- the trainer's son. Joel Diaz Jr. was unbeaten when he stopped him. Sorry, Rafe. I I got I got my my things crossed. I'm not one of the hardcores. All right, I got exposed right there. I'm sorry, Rafe. Okay. Uh, overall, yeah, those are. But I guess so. It's just it's easier to poke holes in the Indongo win because we don't really know much about. We don't in the end we don't know that much about Indongo. Um, he never proved anything. It's weird. He, he had the belt, but then just it, then it just ugh. And and Kirill Relic, that's a good win. But again, how did Kirill Relic get to the championship level? Dances with he, wolves. Yeah, he fought Rancis Bartholomew, who is not that good. Stop right? that. Stop he's, that crap. He's just a, a ugly spoiler okay, who has all, ruined every fight we've ever seen Rafe, him in. I will not accept Rancis Bartholomew slander on my timeline. Like garbage against Progray. And that's not Progray's fault, but he looked out of shape, and Progray just beat him bad to the body quickly. Good for Progray. He did what he should do. But he is, I, I am I am less convinced with those wins, and they're not bad wins. They're good wins. Francis but I'm still good, less right? convinced with by them than the wins that Josh Taylor has. Um, I have a feeling this is going to go 12, and it's going to be fun, and there's going to be adjustments. There's going to be action. Do you have the confidence if that plays out, like I said, that Regis Progray can get a decision over the Scottish-born Josh Taylor in London? I I I hope so. I know that they held out for what were neutral judges. We could probably figure out who they are, but I'm, it's not worth looking at right now. Um, but yeah, they wanted judges who weren't all from the UK, so they must have gone and got that. That'll help. But the crowd will be behind Taylor, even though Glasgow is in Scotland. Scotland is not in England. Uh, but, you know, it's a lot closer to England than New Orleans is. Scotland's um, part of the UK, though, right? Yeah, but they're internal rival. It's, they're, there's some. Rafe, it's all the same sauce in the end, okay? They're all, like, it's all flowing downstream around. If you, I mean, I, you find, you, you go on the street and talk to a top bloke in, in, in London and talk to a top bloke in Glasgow and they probably have some, some nasty things to say about the top blokes on the other side of the water. Hear this. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I don't have nothing. I've got a 10 pound mobile phone. That's what I've got. And that's all I want. All I want to do is say hello and goodbye. 
I'm not interested in the modern world. So don't buy into these fake accounts. I've got nothing like that and don't want it. Never will have it either. I do want to call Big John on his Zach Morris phone someday. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> look, um, yeah, I think that Taylor will have some more support. More importantly, he has the promotional support, right? I mean, there is it's even though I don't believe it has been officially announced in any way, all of the signs are lined up that Josh Taylor is becoming an Eddie Hearn matchroom fighter the moment this tournament ends. That's why he's on this card. That's why Matchroom is putting on this card in London for a WBSS event. This isn't WBSS staging its own thing in Riga, Latvia. Uh, there are so so, yeah. Progre is going to have to win convincingly. He's going to have to do extra because if it's a close fight, I kind of do expect Taylor to get the 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 closer to home rub as well as the promotional rub and. Ludabella, who didn't want this fight to go to the UK in the first place, has been pretty open about saying that both on and off the record. You, you know, he's uh, he's uh, he's just all over the place. You know, hey, uh, it's not the greatest situation, but he's gonna. He, this is this is a dangerous. Uh, it's a dangerous fight for a lot of reasons for Progray because there's a chance that even if he does win it close, he might not win it. Yeah, indeed. Um, it's gonna be a fun ass fight. Progray. It- always looks to make it into a little bit more of a brawl than a boxing match. Taylor, it would seem it would it would help him if he can jab from the outside and, and really try to make this a boxing match. He has proven he can bite down and, and fight when he has to. It seems a little bit more like it's boxer versus puncher at the core, and it's whoever can sort of dictate the terms of this fight has the better chance there. I just see the types... Of, I see their styles matching so good, Rafe, that you're going to have that I take two rounds, you take two. I take two, you take two. I take one, you take one. And it's going to keep being those adjustments. And it's going to be fun as ish. And when it comes down to who's going to win this fight, Rafe, I feel like I'm going to like me some Regis Progre, and I feel like he's going to lose a close decision. Wow. That is, it could, there's, there's just so many ways this could play out because, there's also this in a lot of ways, this reminds me of what we just saw in Artur Beterbiev and Alexander Grostik. It is a fighter who is unconventional, but not necessarily unskilled in Regis Progre, right? He he takes some risks, he jumps in, but he's and he's got a fast, he's got athleticism and power that is just unusual, that is near the top of the sport. But we see a guy in Taylor who does everything right almost, and he's tough, and he's long, and he's going to have a big height advantage over Progray. He's going to – and it's not going to be easy for Progray to just roll over him unless unless if he does, then Pro, then, then we need to reevaluate Progray. If Progray makes, comes out with some kind of statement victory in this one, then yeah, we need to start being like, whoa, 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 this guy – is going to be in pound for pound list. He could be a scary test for Terrence Crawford and the best at 147. Like you, all of a sudden you start looking at Ter- uh, Regis Prograde like, oh wow, this guy is a whole nother level maybe than we than he's shown before. And that's a possibility. It's also a possibility that no, he is just the excellent level that we've already seen. And Taylor, by fighting smart, by fighting tough, by keeping the fight outside by catching 
Progray coming in a couple times does enough to win this fight, whether it's close and he deserves it or whether it's close and he doesn't quite deserve it and we debate about it. I think, look, if, because of the resume, because of how solid Taylor has been, because he has some advantages in the intangibles in terms of having it being fought more on his turf than on Progray's turf. I think if I were betting on the fight, I would pick Taylor by decision. But man, I there I can't get out of my head the possibility that Progray could come in and just do something well, truly well, special. Yeah, because that's there. Seen, and it, it will always be there. Gonna, gonna have that that come out moment that I talked about earlier. Yeah, hit the zipper sound. I got it. Okay, we got it. If somebody's gonna have that coming out moment, that sort of you know, Archer better be had where you go to a higher level than we knew exists. I feel like it's it's Regis Progre who's who's a little bit more raw, but seems to be putting it together on the job and getting there in his in his orth, unorthodox and sort of seems to have that extra room in his ceiling where I feel we saw Josh Taylor sort of reach that ceiling maybe in recent fights and sort of show you all he can do. Because let's not forget, here's my biggest fear for Josh Taylor. And in the end, I'm going to pick Josh Taylor by a very close decision. And I think it's in play and fair that Regis Progray could leave you believing he had done enough only to lose a close call here. But when we saw Josh Taylor against Ivan Baranchik in that fun fight, there were moments he was hurt and he bit down and he got ballsy. He got a little bit too scary. But here's the thing. I love me some Ivan Baranchik. He's fun as balls. But this ain't Birdo. This ain't Birdo. Think what you want to This think, ain't Birdo. I don't care. This ain't Birdo. Hey, think what this you want to think, This ain't Birdo. This is the real deal. deal. This is the real deal. That's what Birdo This is the raw dog. This is Regis Prograde. Rukuru has a stick. He's got a dog, and that dog is raw, Rafe. And I think if Josh Taylor Fs around a little bit too much with the idea of, I can trade with you. I can't go too deep in that water. But I can get wet. He might get soaked. And that's where it comes into play of us talking about Prograde maybe taking the sleep, maybe just walking through him after a competitive first half of the fight. It kind of, for me, comes down to Taylor. He's got to really pick his spots when he decides to get tough. That makes sense. I Look, I want to see them get wet. Go ahead, boys. Get real wet. Get soaked. I'm ready. Um, yeah, that was. What? Well, I mean, I'm excited for this the fight, Brian. Magic of the instrument, which is my body. Risk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rafe. This this co-main event I care about a ton. Heavyweights, Del Boy Derek Chisora against David Price, bro. You're gonna need ten plumbers to do to you what Tyson Fury said he was gonna do to you, Rafe. Well, come, we got to hear it. We got to hear it, right? We got to hear it. I'll fight David Price any day of the week. You see you, you former from Liverpool. It's personal between me you, and I'm going to do you some serious harm, you big You big stiff. Uh, Rafe, who comes out of here on top? How much does Delboy have left? Because Price, if you F around with him, like David Allen, the white rhino did, he could beat you. He could knock you out. He sent Povetkin to the ropes. Yeah, look. Povetkin. We have seen Pricey get splattered all over the ring so many times that we rush to assume that it's going to happen. And it could happen. But this is a classic fun while it lasts fight. Because Chisora 
appears to not he says he's training himself for for this fight isn't with dave caldwell who he's been training with isn't with his lifelong not lifelong but previous career long trainer and he says he's just getting himself into shape he'll have somebody in his corner all of that is not a good sign for chisora who's has up and down performances you know sometimes he looks absolutely terrible in the ring and you hope that this will be a fun while it lasts fight it also could be just a sloppy hug fest but Pricey is on a roll. And if Pricey catches Del Boy, he could get him out of there. I'm I'm look, I want I I I think Chisora is such a fun character that he can survive a loss at this point in his career. People don't watch his fights to see him win. They watch to to see the show. Pricey is on a roll and needs to keep it up. I want to see Pricey get this win. Okay. Okay, Rafe. Um I wanna talk to you about a hidden gem on this card a top bloke ball if you will another one of these you know what a little washy here but i gotta see this i gotta love this 36 year old rick sterko is back and ricky burns is gonna fight lee selby rave wow 10 12 rounds lightweight sterko somehow can still make 35 at 36 selby was once what the British Mayweather is that correct? Yeah, the Welsh Mayweather. Welsh Mayweather, but of course lost the split decision to Josh Warrington. Had that earlier loss in his career. I got to dig deep on his box truck to find that first loss. It's well early in his career against Samir Munameni. Rafe, a little bit of a crossroads action here. Does Lee Selby still have it in terms of coming back to the elite fray, or is Rick Sterko going to be the ultimate beast keeper? gatekeeper beekeeper and avoid getting stung i love me some of this rave i'm into it too i look man i think that late career ricky burns is not to be slept on he's stayed in shape this whole time has never really looked that much worse you know he was know? wet he, for a while he, rave he was wet for a while let's be honest it, right i no he just was fighting better guys than him and <laughs> I mean, it was it was wet. Right? It was pretty wet for a while there. Right? Washed Ricky Burns was a thing. Okay, look, I was never a huge Selby believer. He, the Welsh Mayweather act was not that impressive at 126 pounds. Now he's dealing with Rick Sterko, a natural, big 135 pound guy who still knows his way around the ring. All right, it it could be even if Josh Taylor doesn't win, Rick Sterko is there to make sure. That someone is saying, what a night for Scotland boxing. Wow. What a night wow. for Scotland I'm boxing. I'm going to be heavily intrigued in this one. Um, can How many of Rick Sterko's seven defeats can you name, Rafe? People would think that's a reckless question to ask this deep in a three-hour boxing pod. But um, he it's his fault that Julius Ndongo was once a unified 140 champion. I'll tell you that much, Rafe. All right? I can't. And man, seven is more than I can remember. I, obviously, Terrence Crawford... Uh, he should have lost to Ray, uh, Ray Beltran, but did not. Um, and he, beat Relic. he lost, he lost to Relic. No, he beat, he beat Relic. He lost to, a, a he lost to, um, to, 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 uh, Figueroa. Yep. He lost to Rock and Rolla Crolla. He lost to, oh, he lost a split decision to Dehan Zlatichinen. Oh, you're right. Sorry. And there was that split, that split draw with Raymundo Beltran. And then that win he didn't really deserve. Remember he went to uh, remember in Glasgow he fought Jose Gonzalez and he was losing, but then Gonzalez yeah, that was another one kind of quit and 
Uh, That's the thing. He's turned it around. He went from the guy that every that boxing fans couldn't stand because he always got these homer decisions or interventions to to hold on to that lightweight belt. And now he's a feel good story. I'm gonna. I want to feel. Make me feel good. Ricky he hasn't Burns. fought since I called his knockout of Scott that was awesome Turtle. he sent that guy to hell yeah i, I, I dropped a lot of sturgo on that broadcast well wow, that was fun when they used to let me call fights into zone man that was a good relationship we had you know what i mean it's like hey to zone uh you know what i'm saying like if only i was quicker to it i, thought, I just I thought, thought you went to the wrong side of the street was gonna hit us between the eyes with, with, some- with some bc but but apparently not anymore I, I just thought bc went to the wrong side of the street bc works on every street that's the that's the key right now rave okay name me a network Emotional free agent name me a network that i'm not cashing for of uh, do you care about this undercard fight that i do when my boy oakley doakley is back lawrence okoli will challenge eve nagabu for his european cruiser title you're taking this too. Why is he fighting? Wasn't he fighting it? No, he wasn't. He's always been a cruiser. Man, yeah, get out of cruiserweight, Okoli. I, I, you're not. Don't don't ruin my division. All right. Uh, Saturday night, Showtime's got a card, Rafe. And, of course, it's not as sexy as it once was because Terrell Gaucher has a broken hand. He's out. So Erickson Lubin will face Nathaniel Gallimore in a 10-round junior middleweight main event from Reading, Pennsylvania on Showtime. Do you know anything about Mr. Gallimore? You're you're one of the hardcores. I I so I don't really fans. know all that much, but I have I know enough to have picked up on what the people who really know think. The real woke hipster take on this, Brian, is that Gallimore is a better fight. Wow, all right. That that's that's a reason to watch it. Are you saying he's a hooker? He's a hooker. Mid-range? Is that where you're going with it? I, I don't. I don't know. I just heard that it, this is actually not a bad fight. It's it, there are people out there who well, whose opinion I respect and follow who really actually you know the the real hardcores the hardcores I look at to try and up my hardcoreness. They they are saying that Gallimore is they like this fight better. They think it could be a more competitive fight than Gaucher. He's standing in front of the net with about eight inches of his shaft in his hand. Uh, I really care about this co-main event. Robert Easter Jr., Adrian Granados, 10 rounds junior welterweights. Uh, very interesting fight, Rafe. Easter. Did could, they have could, a face-to-face? No, they did not. Easter could could use a big win. Granados coming off the knockout loss to Danny Yeah, Garcia. you know what's not a big win? Adrian Granados is not a big oh, win by any measure. Like seven of those Many eight. guys have defeated him. Rafe? And many guys will defeat him. He was sent to hell Rafe, by he Danny Garcia. He was at Welter. We know that. And like seven of his eight decisions. I think the only loss was against Sean Porter that was clean. Every other loss or draw, you could make a strong case that Chicago's AG should have gotten the nod, Rath. Uh? Great. You know what? Robert Easter, if he is still a, a, a world-level fighter, should beat this guy easy. Well, isn't he coming off that that awful fight Disgusting, with Francis? Yeah, Bartholomew? a Bartholomew fight. He did. Francis did it again. Mike Coppinger told me that he called the international feed of that fight alone with no with no play by play or color guy. Just him, just top cop all day. So if you're living in like Egypt and you tuned into Easter Bartholomew, you got yourself some copperator. By the way, it was uh, Dave. Um, uh, oh, I just had already. It. No, Dave, dude, it's freaking Dave. Hold on, it's Dave, dude. Right? Dave Perry. 
Dave Bontempo, bro. Dave Bontempo, oh. okay? Great guy. Great guy, by the way. Great guy to call a fight with in Campbell, California, or a Miami DAZN studio. Thank you. Uh, Dave. Uh, do you care about F.A. Ajagba coming back at heavyweight against Jack Mulawai? Sure, I care. It's like I only got to care for like two rounds, right? <laughs> All right. All right, Rafe. Oh, we have a title fight in Puerto Rico on Saturday from Trujillo Alto when Wilfredo Mendez defends his WBO straw title against Gabriel Mendoza. Oh, who is a good boy. The co-main event, Felix Diaz is back. The Cuban B. He's Cuban B against Dario Furman. Walter. Absolutely Rose. not. Yennefel Vicente on that undercard. Not not in your wheelhouse. All right. Um. Rafe, we've got a title bout this weekend on Saturday. I know you're tired. We're three hours in. I know. Okay, this is... Look, you had a month off of this show, okay, Rafe? I know it's, you know... Uh, From Chagunuas, Trinidad, and Tobago, Rafe, the vacant WBC women's heavyweight... Rafe, there's a women's heavyweight division. I did not know that. (laughs) That sounds pretty cool. Larissa Rivas versus Gwendolyn O'Neal. Ten rounds for the vacant belt. Heavyweights, women, Trinidad and Tibet. Rafe, how many people are going to be there to see that? Can you find yeah, a stream? You're beat by Will a, you find a stream? Brian, you're getting beat by a. Oh, finish that for me, <laughs> oh Brian. My God. You got beat by a woman with. Wow. All right. All right. We're setting back this sport. Larissa Rivas is. Um, she's from Las. She fights out of Las Vegas. Rafe. She's 37. She's nine and three with eight KOs. I'm also 37 and over 200 pounds. And she's fighting Gwendolyn O'Neill, who's, uh, who's, oh my God, who's 19, 7, and 2, Rafe, from Guyana. Guyana. Out of Brooklyn, which is not far from TNT, right? Brooklyn. No, Brooklyn Guyana, is not far from Guyana. Tr- Guyana. Guyana, yeah. yeah. It's not, well, what is happening here, Rafe? Wow. All right. I'm going to. You, you are not invited. You are not invited to, you know, the, the carnival parade. Oh my God. What is that woman judge? No, 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 more. no. It's okay, Rafe. It's 2019. Suffrage is a thing. We can, we can, we can roll on. Okay. Somebody make Rafe a sandwich. Uh, uh, do you care about it? No, you don't care about that. Rafe, that's it. All right. This show, Logan Paul was here. It happened. It happened. Uh, I'm trying to find another fight for you to care about, but there really isn't, Rafe. Thank right. God there is not. <laughs> right. Uh, Rafe, how's Michigan? What do you got for me, dude? I'm in upstate New York right now, Brian, but, but I will be headed back to Michigan tomorrow or the next day. Things are good out there. The cold is starting to set in at nice fall colors. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Life is good. Are you getting fired up for Sergey Kovalev? Canelio Alvarez, like it's on the horizon, it's coming. Do you feel it, Rafe? I don't. Why? I mean, there's lots of good fights to feel excited. I'm more, I'm more fired up for Pro Gray Taylor. Okay. Okay. Understand? We know Kovalev's not a Boy Scout. That's part of it, Rafe. That is part of it. But um, I'm excited. There's two things that get me excited, Rafe. It's a simple concept: bitches and cigarettes. Everybody's happy. <laughs> Indeed. Um, you want to talk anything else? What's on your mind? Do you want to make a political statement? We're so deep in the show, Rafe. You can't get fired. We could say almost anything at this point, Brian. But the problem is, to get to this point, we've had to say so much that I never want to speak again. Okay. Shout out to Alex Godinez, uh, Dylan Hager. We got some serious fans, Rafe. You got any other fans you want to talk about? 
I just want to apologize to all of you serious fans for having to wait so long to hear a boxing podcast and then to be repaid with this podcast. Uh, but shout out to, this is what you signed up for. Shout out to Guillermo de Harris, who reached out in my DMs to, to, to say he loves this show. Uh, he says in it that I've never let him down. Well, I have the last month not putting out a show. Um, yeah. Not putting out. Hey, check out our bonus pod this Thursday. Tyson Fury, Triple H, Jake Hager. A.K.A. Jack Swagger will be in the house. Yes, of the, this famous soundbite. Well, you know what? I'm rock hard right now with emotion. I got a phoner. All right. Uh, check out Ballsy.com to keep your to keep your paint in the paint. Right? That's disgusting. All right. Uh, that's it. That's the show. Right? You want to you, you want to welcome the people out? We out. We out.